Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the Midnight Festival, a late-night talk show focused around the discussion and analysis of video games and related media. Tonight, we're going to be talking about Bloodstained, Ritual of the Night, Koji Igarashi's return to the Metroidvania genre. I'm your first of three of the hosts, Name of Jade. Uh, my name is Kiowa. <laughs> <laughs> And my name is Cole. I'm your third of three hosts returning from our original pilot Persona episode, if you happen to catch that one. So, Bloodstained, uh, um, Metroidvania by Koji Igarashi. I don't know how much how much of you guys played of his original works, the Castlevania games. Well, I played the original Castlevania for NES. And that was my only experience with all of Castlevania's franchises up until... Well, I guess this, is, this isn't this is technically a Castlevania game, even though it's made by the same guy. This is like same a spiritual style. successor, you could call it. Yeah, exactly. But not exactly part of the canon universe of Castlevania, right? Yeah, no, this is a, a totally different... This This isn't in the Castlevania universe at all. Oh, totally. Yeah, uh, that was yeah that was literally my only Castlevania game was for the NES. So this is like the first time I played one of like the true form style Metroidvanias. And so continuing with with you, Kaiwa, real quick, how about Metroid? Oh, so Metroid. Yeah, I played a few games. I played like Metroid Fusion. Uh, let's see, Metroid Prime. You know, for Game Boy. Um, but that's about it. Yeah, that's it for my Metroid experience as well. So you do have experience with the genre of Metroidvania in general, like any other Metroidvania games you can think of that you yep. have experienced? Yep, I've played games like uh, Hollow Knight, Blasphemous, uh, Rogue Legacy, Dead Cells. So I'm a bit of a connoisseur of the Metroidvania <laughs> line of games. So you're pretty experienced then. Yeah, yeah, I'd say I'm I'm decently experienced with Metroidvanias, yeah. Okay, so same questions to you, Jade. Castlevania and Metroid, and then just any Metroidvanias. Like, how experienced are you in this genre? Uh, I'd say about mild to moderately experienced in the Metroidvania genre. Uh, I've only played, Castlevania-wise, I've only played uh, Aria of Sorrow, the game, the, the one with Soma. That's all I... The one with Soma, that's Aria of Sorrow? Yeah, there's there's two with Soma. Um, that would be the Game Boy Advance one yep, that you're I, talking about. I've only played that one. Uh, and Metroid games, I played Metroid Prime on, on the GameCube, and I think Metroid Fusion, and that's it. Otherwise, I've uh, only played Hollow Knight, and uh, that's really all I've, all I've delved in the, in the Metroidvania like genre. Okay, so I think I've got probably a lot more Metroidvania games in both just Castlevania, the series, the Metroid series, and then other Metroidvania games. But you guys both have experience here, so there's more to draw from when we get into talking about the game. But what do you guys think a Metroidvania is, is my biggest curiosity before we get into Bloodstained itself, Kiowa starting with you like a a metroidvania what is that genre what does that mean what does metroidvania mean to me yeah um i guess i i think of like a platformer sort of game there's got to be some platforming probably a 2d game as well like a side scroller um 
yeah, sort of like a linear advancement system where you just kind of gain power-ups along the way as you play and you just kind of gain access to areas that technically were accessible to you like pretty much right when you started off, but you just didn't have the abilities to really like make a jump or something, you know? Yeah. So that's like a Metroidvania, I guess, is what I think of one. Yeah, I'm going to have to really strongly agree with that. Areas that were always accessible, you just didn't have the ability to get there. Yeah. Um, do you have anything else? Jay, do you th- does your perspective align with that a lot, or what other uh, yeah. things would you add? That's the first thing I think of is usually the 2D planes. Uh, there's, like, really obviously divided rooms. I always think of that, too. Um, it's not really ever fluid. It yeah. seems like, yeah, there's always, like, you know, you look at the map, and it's always those rectangles. That's how I know it's a Metroidvania game, when there's just a bunch of rectangles on the map. <laughs> so um, what do you guys think about Metroid Prime, though? Would you consider that a Metroidvania? I, I almost don't even consider that. I don't consider that a Metroidvania. You don't? Because uh, it's not 2D? Uh, yeah, I guess. I mean, when I think of Metroid Prime, I think of it more of as an adventure game, I guess. I really don't think of it... I, I never thought of it before, but it doesn't fall within my category of what I imagine Metroidvanias are, even though it it's Metroid in the title. But uh, okay, yeah, yeah. I guess that's interesting. I I never really thought of it like that. But yeah, like when I think of uh, Metroid, Metroid Prime specifically, although it does have all those same things, like the progression paths are the same, and you need specific, you know, you need double jump to get to areas. It just it doesn't seem the same to me. So maybe okay. that's just me being a, a little stubborn on my classification of Metroidvania. It would be an adventure, an adventure game with a Metroidvania progression style. <laughs> I see. Okay. <laughs> well, I mean, you're kind of on an adventure, and that that's such a broad word, but I mm-hmm. won't get into that. I, I think that Metroid Prime is a Metroidvania, if only because, you know, it's a Metroid game. But to me, I think Kyle was really spot on. I think it's all about that progression where you're only gated by the power of your character, and that's how you get... You're not you're not subject to cutscenes and arbitrary triggers to advance the game. It's about your character's abilities. Yeah, like I remember back to like Metroid Fusion. Like I don't think any game really made me feel like that more than Metroid Fusion, where you just like you're just so barred from like areas and it just like frustrates you. I love how sometimes they'll make it so you're like tantalizingly close <laughs> yeah. to completing a jump. But then, and you try it like dozens and dozens of times, and then you realize that you can't physically like make that jump actually. So then, then you realize that there must be some sort of jumping power up or something later on. Yeah, it's funny how they tease you ahead of time with that kind of stuff. They they make you try and remember things you've been through because I think that we could probably all agree a big world that you would be you'd be backtracking a lot, but that's part of the experience. Because all of your powers continue to open up new avenues of exploration. Yeah, it's it's interesting how backtracking becomes a lot less of a a chore in Metroidvania games because you know your the way you navigate through the world is just changed so much. You know, by the time you come back there again, that it's almost like going through it in a new way. So it's it doesn't really feel like backtracking as much. Because, you know, you're double jumping through, you know, past all the guys or like finding new areas in the old areas. 
Oh, yeah, or like some wall might explode after some boss fight or something. Yeah. And then you it just changes the map a little bit, just a little bit, so that you can now traverse some totally new section or something. It's pretty cool. Well, okay, so we all know what generally, well, we have our own opinions on the Metroidvanias, but definitely Bloodstained is a Metroidvania. So when you guys were leading up to Bloodstained, how much did you guys actually know about it? Because I, I, I don't think I kept up. I knew it was a Kickstarter project and that it was Koji Igarashi who made the Castlevania games, but I didn't know much about it until we actually played it. So did mm-hmm. you, let, well, we'll start with you, Jade, this time. Like, okay. how much did you know about this game? Um, yeah, it was interesting because I saw the Kickstarter, you know, while it was being funded and whatnot, it hadn't finished the uh, the period of, of trying to get more funding. And I remember looking at, like, the the trailers and the, the concept art and whatnot, and I, I was like, whoa, this looks really cool. Maybe, you know, this is a time for me to get into, like, the, the Vania series, you know? Um and I did keep up with it for a little bit, but I do. <laughs> I specifically remember there was a, a gameplay trailer they released, or some gameplay at some convention or something like that, and it just looked kind of <laughs> didn't look as good. It looked kind of janky, to be honest. And was uh, that before or after the art? That was that was uh, before. Debacle. Okay. Yeah, they okay. they definitely like later released that uh, you know, the graphical up upgrade before the game came out because i guess that was a, a thing that a lot of people noticed but uh yeah once i once i saw that i started the you know i wouldn't call it a hype train but whatever train i was on like the uh the uh looking forward to this game train uh i kind of got i got off the that. hype train <laughs> no <laughs> yeah, not just the, the hype train again no. <laughs> i got off that train whatever it may be called i i i unboarded and i was like i guess maybe i'll check it out when it comes out but then when it you know before it came out they released the uh, upgrade updated uh visuals and it just looked a little bit more solid so i was a little bit more hyped for it at that point but you know it took me a year or so to play it after its release so what does that say yeah i uh yeah i guess in a similar boat for me i i didn't really uh, well i guess the opposite i didn't really keep up to any of the development or release or anything about it uh, I was pretty much in the dark about the game. I knew that it came out because I saw Donkey tease it in one of his videos. And then I kind of just like, you know, was a little bit, you know, interested in it back then. But then once you guys started talking it up, then I started looking into the game a little more and it definitely looked cool. So that's pretty, yeah, I was pretty much in the dark about it the whole time. And I went in with like almost no expectations. I didn't even know the guy, you know, who made it was responsible for all the Castlevania games. So... Yeah, it was pretty widely anticipated. I like that the fans are calling it, uh, they're not calling it Castlevania anymore. They call it Egovania. Oh, do they? I didn't I know saw, that. I was seeing that in some of the, uh, the com- like the discussions about the game. People are referring to it as an Egovania, which is, which is kind of cool. <laughs> A good testament to the creator. Right, because he got uh, like the series almost stolen from him, right? It's like the, it's the like Konami. Capcom or Konami? Or Konami yeah, sorry. Konami issue. They're, yeah. they're rascals, those those bastards. Yeah, they haven't been up to anything good in the past few years. So I think he, he probably left Konami. It was probably a lot, many years ago at this point. I have no idea how long it's been. Uh, but P- 
people clearly recognize his influence because that was one of the more successful Kickstarters. Yeah. Was Bloodstained, I think. Yeah, it really? raised uh, $5.5 million. Damn. Yeah, that's... Wow. That's incredible. Yeah, I didn't know. I had no idea it, was, it made so much on Kickstarter. Wow. Yeah. I have to say, the visual overhaul they did was probably the first I had really seen anything of the game, and I wasn't, even after the visual overhaul, I wasn't enthused about the game. So mm-hmm. I wasn't on the hype train to begin with, but I definitely didn't board it yeah. then. But I just knew, I knew how good the Castlevania series had been despite, I mean, I haven't played every game, but the ones I had, I I enjoyed. So I was into this game or I was anticipating it. So I, I was pretty eager to get into this, obviously, when we started. Mm -hmm. It was your pick. Yeah. Yeah. This was, this was my pick of a game, but like I, when when I when I sat on it in my library, it, I wanted to play it more than anything. And getting into it, you could really easily tell that this whole game was almost Symphony of the Night, but again, as, as a girl mm. character, uh, as Miriam instead of Alucard. And I don't think you, you neither of you have played Symphony of the Night. No, no. That's I think that's one of the more critically acclaimed games probably of all time like that's that's always in top 10 yeah lists. i always hear about symphony of the night it looks very like cool i'm not gonna deny yeah. that yeah it's definitely i think that that was probably a shift in the castlevania formula a little bit towards more rpg elements that you know obviously bloodstained uh is abound with but mm. if you were to look for a game that was the most closely resembling Bloodstained in the Castlevania series. I'd say it's Symphony of the Night and then uh, a bit of Aria of Sorrow, actually. So I think, Jade, you would know, having played that game, a little bit about it. Just the shard system in particular. Uh, yeah, yeah, that was one thing that I do vaguely remember. I mean, it was it was a long time ago since I... That was Game Boy Advance. Yeah. I had to have been in, like, middle school, you know? Um so I, I do remember that you could kill enemies and they would drop their shards and you could use spells and whatnot, but I don't remember much else. Yeah, it was, it, it's pretty similar to Bloodstained just overall, in, especially in that regard. I don't think you could upgrade the, the souls. I think there were souls in that game. I don't know if they had the same upgrade mechanics, but uh, beyond that, getting into Bloodstained itself, uh, what, what is the game all about? really without drawing in any parallels to castlevania like if you were to pitch this game what what do you think how would you describe it really i would say um you're exploring a hellish landscape a hellish castle killing demons uh on a quest to save someone that you love in the most basic sense right okay yeah but yeah. like um, um if someone Okay, here, hear me out. <laughs> Imagine, okay, I was, yeah, I mean, do I want to pitch the story or do what am I? What am I pitching here? I'm, I'm just thinking, like, when you're going to describe a game to your friends and you just want to sell them on it as hard as possible, mm-hmm. and maybe that's too generic of a question, but for Bloodstained in particular, what are you going to sell them on? You know, how are you going to hook them and make it so they have an idea, a picture in their head? What is this game? 
Okay, yeah, I'm gonna say uh, I would definitely be gushing about not gushing. I don't wanna. I don't wanna play. All, I don't wanna play all my cards right now. But <laughs> I would definitely be talking about the character building aspects uh, and and the kind of the variation of different builds, um, some of the challenging battles, and the exploration. I guess those are all the draws that I think I would try to try to try to hook people in with but for me specifically it was definitely um the, the builds building your character is the most the coolest aspect of the game to me okay and you could build your character like how oh yeah you can pick uh skills you can pick magic spells you can pick all these different weapons that have different techniques you know you can uh you can give yourself passive buffs you know, there's all kinds of ways to build a character in the way that you like. You can be a mage, a sword man, a melee dude, or a gun guy. You know, there's all kinds of different ways to play. You could build, you could have toy shoes the whole fucking game, you know? <laughs> well, what about you, Kaiwa? How would how would you pitch it? Would you say basically the same thing? or? Yeah, a lot of the same thing. Like, yeah, one of the biggest things that I enjoyed was like the, the builds and how you just had like all the shortcuts that you can just cut to whatever build. So you can stack like, you know, all of your transport, like stuff, your transport abilities to move you around, you know, you can stack all of those on one of your shortcuts and then still have like total DPS, you know, or, or some weapon that you like in particular. And you can just seamlessly switch in between all of your different like builds and weapons and setups. So that was probably one of my, the things that I enjoyed and I would pitch to people about. I mean, other than the fact that it's just like a, a Metroidvania, you know, and a, by, made by an acclaimed creator. So, and with all of the, you know, the hype about it on Kickstarter too, you know. Mm-hmm. You know, it's That's definitely worth point. checking out. Yeah. Yeah, if you were into Metroidvanias, you probably had this on your radar, I think. Definitely, mm-hmm. yeah. You couldn't, you yeah. probably wouldn't be able you wouldn't have a chance to sell this game to someone who likes metroidvanias because they probably already yeah. bought it yeah. or anyone in the anime spectrum at all on the internet you once they see you, is going to be hearing about bloodstain you think that this <laughs> is more anime inclined well no once you see miriam yeah if you yeah. like anime and then once you see that you play as a cute a cute shard girl then you're gonna go okay this is on my radar yeah i think you play as a boy in most of the Castlevania games, and honestly, the one where you yep. main as a girl is one of, I haven't played and I'm most excited about just because you're a girl. <laughs> but Miriam still gave you powerful. the option to play as a boy, though. Yeah. A, a little bit. I mean, did you did you actually try that out? I did not. I did not actually try it out. I just I want I want Zang, Zangetsu to just have a special place in my memory, and I feel like if I actually went and I played and explored more about him. You know, it would take him out of that spot for me. Mm-hmm. I don't think Zangetsu. Yeah, Zangetsu mode uh, is really similar to Richter mode in Symphony of the Night. It's honestly, I think it's kind of throwaway. It probably mm-hmm. n- oh, really? not really worth talking too much. I mean, I gotta for- say, once I heard that you like don't build uh, Zangetsu, he has kind of everything off top. Like, in the story, in the actual main game, he's already got, you know, his, his grappling hook and all these ways to navigate. Yep. Can't change his weapons or give him... He doesn't have shards, so... Nope. Yeah. So, I, I, that was kind of a put-off right away. I didn't yeah, want to just like, play as a guy. Yeah, that's, like, already, like, most of the game. 
Yeah, that's what I liked so, about the game. So yeah, yeah, I didn't enjoy Zangetsu mode right off the bat because you could. I think exploration is one of the bigger, more entertaining aspects of these games and in Bloodstained. So when you have, there's really nothing restricting you from exploring the whole castle right away because of how overpowered Zangetsu is to a degree in mm-hmm. in his exploration ability. So it just wasn't fun anymore. And maybe it's just because you know. I went through the the game first. I knew where stuff was, but yeah, yeah, um, you're definitely coming. Yeah, there's you're probably gonna play Zangetsu mode second, right? So then, like anyone who who plays Zangetsu mode is already gonna know where everything is already, and then he's probably got all the navigation abilities right off the bat, so he could just go like directly to where he needs to all the time. Mm-hmm. Anything, is what I assume. Anything I that there there were special circum like you know there's a hall of spikes, right? that you need uh, armor in the main game to bypass as Miriam. Those just aren't there for Zangetsu because he can't, you know, there's no building, there's no variety because it's just his basic moveset and leveling. So they make concessions for him. I was about to say, who fucking put the spikes there then, that bastard? (laughs) Yeah, it was probably him, I guess, when you think of it in that context. But, you know, you're still fighting the same bosses and stuff, so I I don't know. It doesn't make sense. It's just for fun. I needed to test you. I needed to make sure you could make it past these spikes. <laughs> he can just uh, he can sink like a rock and underwater. You know he doesn't need the dumbass water spray move or the any of those. Yeah, shards. that's in that's in his lore. He's just he's very heavy. <laughs> yep, it all makes it makes sense within the context of the game, uh, except the spikes. That's one thing that cannot be forgiven. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the spikes. How about the other I, difficulty modes? Did you I'm did a, we I'm all a, play on normal? Yep. I did. Yeah, I played on normal, yep. Okay. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you, Kai. Where were you going? Oh, no. I was just going to say with that spike, since we were on the subject, like, well, I'm sure we'll probably have to talk about that later anyway, so I might as well save my comments. I definitely have points about those spikes. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) That's a totally pivotal moment in the game. Well, 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 maybe we'll want to start from the the top of of the game, right? Like, Like an average playthrough before we get to to the meat but you know if you're starting bloodstained um does anybody in particular want to give a rundown of like what it's like to start the game and and maybe even like what was your perspective like jumping into it yeah maybe i should maybe yeah, i Kyle. should feel that one yeah so coming into the series fresh i don't know about you guys but i never played any of the other bloodstained games oh yeah um, there's the uh there's the 16-bit ones right, I, right? yeah first i did forget are, about that i think the, the first one came out before ritual of the night which is the one we're yeah. talking about so yeah Whoa. i didn't even think about that i'm not sure if that was a stretch goal or if that i'm not entirely sure about that or the connection to the main story so no i, I didn't play all it came out did those all come out as part of the kickstarter i, th- I think so I think so yeah oh so they launched a whole not just a game but the whole series from this game. Yeah, this was this was a fresh series coming into and Ritual of the Night I think was the main goal mm-hmm. uh game and I think the rest spawned because of that. But wow. otherwise I didn't yeah. play those other ones. I think in the Curse of the Moon uh I think you play as Zangetsu in that game. Too, I think so. yeah, I think you're right. Wow. Otherwise Okay, yeah. well yeah, um basically coming into the series fresh, no idea what's going on. You know, they throw you into it right away. Uh, just you, you like kind of start off on a ship, you know, 
it gives you a brief rundown of the story. These alchemists summon these demons. They're like, oh, it was a mistake. We shouldn't have summoned these demons. Now we need you, the shard binder, Miriam, to come and save us from this mistake that we did by sacrificing you guys to summon <laughs> these demons. And they I'll let die. you know right away about Gebel, Jeb, Gebel, Gebel. Yep, they let you know right right away about Jebel, about he was, he tried to get, they tried to sacrifice him, but then somehow they couldn't quite kill him. I don't know, I guess it was, something. yeah, he survived, very mysterious, he somehow survived, and Miriam was just spared it altogether. Which so is, then, I gotta yeah. say something about that, How, uh, why was she spared? Because she fell asleep? Wouldn't it be yeah. easier to sacrifice someone if they were sleeping? Like they wouldn't, <laughs> they wouldn't put up a fight. They were yeah, just like, we'll wait, right? we'll yeah, wait until they, she's conscious to they, to cut her open or whatever. The they're really moral <laughs> about their sacrifices. You got to be awake <laughs> yeah. for that. Yeah. You have to con- you have to consent first. Yeah, <laughs> I think I thought that was a little weird too. But even yeah. more strange is waking up on the ship and uh, it, it was confused. She's asleep for ten years, I think, mm-hmm. and. Yep. she wakes she's got all her functions and whatnot um and the way she talks to people uh maybe you guys n- understood better does she just remember everything from before then picture perfect or did she have did she just wake up right when the game starts or what well I, yeah she had like woken up and it seems like they just like immediately brought her out to this yeah this, yeah uh, castle but she has they all these experiences with with uh, G Bull. Though the way she talks with some of the other characters, I don't even know how old she is. But she made it sound like there was a whole lifetime that just happened and no time had passed. It was a little strange, but yeah, yeah. there was definitely some weird discrepancies between that. I mean, I'd assume that her and G Bull were childhood friends, and yeah. she must have been like, isn't she like eighteen or, or nineteen or something uh, when she wakes up? Um, or, or what I don't if, know, but that would that would mean remember. that would mean that she was a tiny little kid. Yeah, unless her she body like didn't age while she was asleep or something, which would be even more weird. But yeah, yeah. I would say just on her appearance, I would almost assume at oldest she's like mid twenties or something. Yeah, that I guess maybe too. that's that's our maybe they did clarify that in the game. <laughs> but I mean, I, I went through <laughs> the so beginning a second well. time, and then that caught my attention. That was. I didn't. It, not even a major point. It just kind of confused me because that sets up how they tell the story to you in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like her relationship to Jebel is her driving force to keep going, basically. So it's kind of a uh, weird that it, the context is a little bit lost, a little bit muddy in the time yeah. skip that they have to have for some reason. Yeah, yeah. Well, a big derailment there, but otherwise, I guess we're all just as confused. The narrative <laughs> isn't super important at that point, anyway. Yeah, yeah, they kind of just the throwing you in. Everyone knows it's you an excuse. Just clobber some monsters yeah, you just want to kill right away, so. Yeah, honestly, I was yep. really eager for them to stop talking so I could just get into it. <laughs> yeah, I remember I already started mashing some buttons back uh, in the <laughs> in the intro. That's for sure. Yeah, in the galleon. Yep, in the galleon. Uh, I'll never forget my initial surprise right after you kill that very first monster to get the very first ability which i ended up using all the way through the game at level one <laughs> really no <laughs> oh man yeah because i didn't really I, I advanced the galleon like so fast that i didn't know that that's where you get, would go to get like more of those shards and i i just it just kind of escaped me that that's where that shard came from <laughs> 
But yeah, so basically, uh, yeah, that when you kill that first enemy and get that first shard, you just get like, it stops everything. You fly into the air, and this shard just comes zooming at you, and you just like shove it through your chest. And then uh, I was just like freaking out when I saw that because it was so vis visceral and jarring. But then, uh, yeah, that was just literally only the first time because from there on it happens about every five minutes. <laughs> I remember you <laughs> for the rest of the that, entire yeah. game. Yeah, yeah. I saw it as an impalement. Like you said, it, she's like shoving it into her stomach intentionally, and I, it seemed like a painful thing. Like she was trying to hold it back, and it was stabbing her. Is how I oh, pictured yeah. it. Yeah, I don't even I, I don't even know what to expect after even after seeing it like hundreds of times. I can't tell which one it is. If she is driving the blade in, or if it's just the shard in, or if it's just going to her her little uh, shard on her back. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. right. Because she's got all those tattoos, and so does Jeebel. So that's like that must be how you tell somebody is a shard binder or something. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So you used you got the 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 drop the cerulean splash I think it's called cerulean splash you that carried me through like half game. the game too honestly you both <laughs> used that a lot huh yeah yeah I, I, I like that it later, bounced but... I like that it bounced around <laughs> yeah and it starts to go through enemies if you upgraded it too so you could you could hit multiple guys with it and it bounces back and hits them again and stuff which is cool yeah but... even after even after completing the game I'm still not. Uh, 100% on the mechanics of the game. Really? Like uh like how like does the shards. shards work again? So I know you can upgrade your individual shards. Mm -hmm. Right? Okay. Yeah, yeah. There's two ways and to upgrade then, them too. Okay, yeah, yeah. So you can you upgrade them like at the alchemy circle, the main hometown uh alchemy circle, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, you then, enhance them. That enhances your shards, and that just makes them stronger, right? Or, or gain different effects. Yeah, the, yeah, it increases the you know the effectiveness basically. There's a okay. special description that tells you what each rank of enhancement will do, uh, which can be unique. Usually, it's like more range or something is what that enhancement does oh, for okay. offensive spells. And oh, then, sure. and then you also get bonuses for having multiple shards of the same thing so if you went back to kill those guys to get the yeah, cerulean, the cerulean splash, splash guys then yeah. it could be like rank nine grade nine and then it's the strongest it can get uh, yeah so yeah. so what is the so the getting more shards that's what enhances the damage uh, it depends on which one yeah it's it's okay. the effectiveness of whatever the basic thing is which is usually damage or if it's like a passive thing that says uh, I think there's like well the basic stat ones like there's a shard that drops that increases your strength so if you got another copy of it uh, it would just give you more strength and then uh, mm, okay. uh, whatever the rank effect is would be just separate from that I see and then gotcha. um, you there was a, an additional mechanic on top of that where if you enhanced all the way to the cap of rank 9 uh, for a passive shard, so the ones that would just give you a, a bonus for existing, being alive, uh, at rank 9, they would become permanent, and you didn't have to have them equipped in your one slot anymore. But you could uh, oh. keep it equipped and double up on the ability um, 
like Jade, you had your experience with the Katana one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Katana expertise would bring up my strength if I had it equipped too. But, you know, the passive one was like it increases my attack speed as with a Katana. So Oh, yeah. So for boss fights, I'd put that on just to do way more damage. And double up on it. Mm-hmm. And so most enemies in the game had their own unique shards. Did you guys end up getting a lot of them? Because there was, there was some really cool ones. And I guess I have a lot to say about shards. So I'm just curious oh, what yeah. you guys ran into first. Yeah, I ended up collecting like so many shards. I mean, I, I can't imagine a monster in the game that I didn't get a shard from. There were a couple secret to ones too. and Oh, well. And those secret bosses had yep. shards too. Mm-hmm. That's oh true. yeah, did you did you both fight? Hmm. I fought one of the secret bosses and yeah, he was hard. Okay, yeah. I, I wasn't sure if we should get into it, but I think that we're we all fought the same boss that I'm thinking of. You're talking yeah, about the probably. carpenter dude or whatever? Oh Welcome no, what? I'm not talking about the carpenter dude. Yeah, Uh-oh. okay. I forgot about those. Yeah. So What's you're talking about boss? the carpenter. Yeah, I, I, I'm talking about the carpenter. Okay, yeah. There what were secret three. boss are you talking about? Yeah, what? What the what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> you you want to talk about the the secret secret boss? Yeah, I guess. I, yeah. Um, oh, you're talking... Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah you yeah, know yeah, now. Yeah. Oh, well, I know, okay. I know, I know, I know. So, Kaiwa, you're talking about... There were three, maybe four... Uh, there were three for sure that had enemies behind them, but there were locked doors around the castle that... You just yep. needed keys for, and they had special enemies that I think, I I think one of them was a throwback to Castlevania because he had a whip. But yeah, there were those doors with secret bosses that dropped special shards. Oh. And you fought the carpenter. Yep, I fought the carpenter. And what was what was his thing all about? Did you use that? Um. Well, I didn't get a shard from him. Actually, I guess uh, I did get a weird drop. He constructed a chest. And I grabbed, like, a bone out of this chest. But I never... I'm, I'm guessing it was some crafting component. And uh, I, I grabbed this bone out of his chest. And I never knew what to do with it. I actually never did anything with it. Yeah, there was a, yeah. a whole alchemy system with... the Those bones were, like, a higher-end material that's very rare. Very did, rare. Did you fight the other two, then? Did you get the other keys? Uh, no, just the carpenter for me. I could never find the other. I see. And, but you, I think you did, Jade. You found all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I got all the achievements of the game. So I got all the shards. Oh, and okay. All the well, sorry. You know, yeah, I never 100% mind. completed the game. So. Yeah, well, why these, don't you just poultry, talk about it? All, these poultry then. questions. Yeah, I collected <laughs> all the shards. <laughs> they're, they're a little <laughs> beneath <laughs> you at this point. No, I, I honestly didn't use, you know. <laughs> hardly any of them but uh, uh i was very sure of my build i enjoyed my abilities and i never wanted to like you know test the waters with like like why would i want to throw a bone you know why would right. i why would i want to uh shoot a little fireball or whatever <laughs> you know i had i had my shit figured out i did dabble with some other spells like all the ones with weird names like rig whatever mm-hmm. uh those were cool. I liked those, but most of the other ones I didn't really experiment with too much. Because yeah. if it ain't broke, don't fix it. That's true. Yep, I, I had a nice tight combo that I just ended up using for pretty much most of the game. 
they had so many different shards like nearly every enemy in the game had a unique shard there were only a couple that were doubled up so the way i saw it was you weren't if you wanted to go for completion you could get all of them but otherwise it would just be natural that you would get different stuff on a different playthrough and you would just play with that like Mm -hmm. i I kind of expected us to have completely different shard loadouts throughout the game but then you know i immediately hear oh well i use cerulean splash half or all of the game (laughs) yeah literally all of the game for me (laughs) that's look i remember man it won me over right away like i got in and there was the uh the dude who drops heretical grinder another excellent shard (laughs) um and i was really scared of him like doing like killing me so i just sat back threw like two cerulean splashes at him and he was dead and i was like this game's fucking easy i'm just gonna throw (laughs) cerulean splash at every enemy and i did for like half the game I mean, what what yep. finally won you over? That that's it. Yeah, Wait, what, what won, won you over, you over past Cerulean Splash? That like, Aqua, the Aqua one, you have to get to navigate in the the thing. No, those are on different. Those are on different oh. Uh, buttons. Oh yeah, well that's that's the substitute. I ne- I never used my triangle. Oh, it was the uh, Thunder one. Didn't really use it that much. But <laughs> I, okay, so I you used Cerulean I, Splash. I used Cerulean sla- Splash as my magical spell. And then I used aqua, whatever, aqua burst. You, you just forgot about the button. You didn't even I, use that I one said, at all. I said, I don't need triangle anymore. And then I started using, uh, you know, that to kill everything in, in, in one second instead of cerulean splash. Okay. And I used my sword, too, to kill things in one second as well. That was Yeah, honestly, probably 90% of my kills came from my swords, just my weapons in general. You were like just because of how insanely strong they could be. So that was your like preferred build. Was did you guys you stuck with one shortcut or did you guys? Because I think it's already it's no secret I used all the shortcuts. We talked about that before. Or as many as yeah, I used. Yeah, it. What did suck is that like I would have loved to like if they had just given you like six different shortcuts like right away because that's like all the weapon types, but you only get like three total uh three total things for most of the game three total shortcuts for most of the game right i think uh, it's i don't know four. if there's yeah i don't know if there there must be like secret locations where you can get them but like by the end of the game i only had four of the what eight shortcuts unlocked yeah there's so not enough I was in like, one playthrough Oh, well, that would make sense. Yeah. So, yeah, I kind of wish that they they had opened that up entirely and not made, like, the shortcuts be locked like that because Mm -hmm. that stopped me from experimenting, you know, with spears and whips and, like, boots. Yeah, because, like, cool stuff. If you're, like, you know, in the later half of the game and now you start getting shortcuts and you're like, I'm already so strong with, I have my swords built up, like, already. So I would want to start from ground zero to build a gun just to use like a couple times. Yeah. And the gun, and I did go with the gun build and I upgraded my like gun damage shards all the way, but still the guns by the end of the game, like deal no damage compared to anything else. I guess it's just like, you know, the range that's powerful, but Mm -hmm. you know, it, you just don't do any damage and all the enemies can just advance straight through your shower of bullets and still just kill you instantly yeah there was definitely 
a little bit of an imbalance in the weapon types. Not that it needed to be strictly balanced, but guns for sure felt off. The range didn't seem like much of an advantage because you're it's not like you're fighting in hallways all the time. There's so many different oh, yeah. angles and that, and it depended on bullets, which were consumable. So at that point, oh, I don't know. Yeah, that's true. And and then they have the whole system of ammo and like max capacity of ammo and stuff too. But it's like, you will, you'll just burn through that ammo like immediately. Yeah, really if you try fast. to use it. If you try to rely on it super heavy, then you're just going to immediately burn through those amp, that ammo. Maybe, you know, kill a few, like, if you're just using it in the halls, then that's, like, a total waste. Like, you pretty much have to use that ammo on bosses. Yeah, yeah. Otherwise, you know, you're just wasting it on total cannon fodder that is going to respawn in that room the second you come back. Oh, yeah, because you can just walk out and in and all the enemies would immediately respawn. Yep, which is great for farming. Um, Speaking, since we're talking about shards... Let's talk about my favorite shard type, the familiars. That's your favorite oh, yeah. type, huh? It's my favorite shard type. Okay. What familiars did you guys end up going with? Um, I I I kind of cheat, and my answer is I used all of them because I just had a different one on each shortcut. Oh. So okay. I I all of them except I think the Bewer. Because there's more. You don't get enough shortcuts in one playthrough to equip every familiar, and I think that was the oh, odd sure. one out. Yeah, I I certainly never even experimented with the viewer. I yeah, I kind of. Well, how about you first, Jade? Then I'll talk about my. Uh, just Pixie Girl, only. Oh. <laughs> now um, I now I waifu. didn't even unlock. I didn't even unlock the Pixie one to be honest. Yeah, she's the best, and she's the best, and she's the best familiar. Uh, no, but uh, Silver Knight <laughs> was cool. I'm not gonna deny Silver Knight. I used him in the Bloodless fight. And he oh, okay. came in very, very handy, but otherwise I switched right back to my to my wife, uh, Pixie Girl. Can't remember what the, her actual name is, so it's not really, not, yeah, it's not good for me to not remember my wife's <laughs> name, my bloodless wife's name. Yeah, looks my like blood, well, I guess bloodless is my wife in, in the game, but yeah, you only get one. Yes. Sorry. All right, well, bloodless then. Sorry, Carbosa. Now that I remember your name, now Carbosa. That... <laughs> oh wow. Yeah, um, for familiars, like it seems like they really want you to think that uh, that Silver Knight is just like the strongest familiar in the game, right? Mm-hmm. Because he's the only one that you you have to unlock via like you know one of those I don't even know what to call it like those a big torch. crystals, yeah, like a crystal holder. Yeah. Oh, you know that's a good point. Yeah, it yeah. does kind of lead you to think so that they're like. Like, yeah, like, you, I only found, like, three of them, so that's, like, the only way to get their shards. Mm-hmm. So I found out that, like, my Silver Knight was just not cutting it very far, like, probably even halfway into the game. And I switched to entirely the Dullahammers. Mm. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> and uh, I was just getting obsessed with it. I was like, wow, this is truly the best familiar. I, I did pretty much a, a Dullahammer build, honestly, by the end of the game. How would, how do you build around Dullahammer? Well, I don't know if you guys used them a lot, but if you get more shards or if you upgrade it more, you get more heads up to five. Yeah. So then, 
And, I, you know, I was talking about it originally, like, when I had just the first one, I was like, this is, like, the worst thing ever. All it does is, like, bump its head into an enemy every, like, ten seconds. But then, when you get five of those heads, you're, like, dealing massive critical damage to enemies every, like, two seconds. And you're, you're just doing it hands-free. You can ju I would just walk into a room and just let my Dullahammers clear everything for me. And then just come back to my computer, like in in like he <laughs> walks away from your computer. <laughs> yeah, I would get up from my computer and I would go and I would grab some coffee, grab a Lacroix or something, and then I would come back and the room would be clear and I would jump over all the puzzles. <laughs> <laughs> they they didn't. I thought they just wrapped around your character. Did they wander around the screen? I don't remember. They would go pretty far for me. I mean, like like really far. Like they would hit enemies that I couldn't even see on my screen. I'd swap to them sometimes, but I didn't. I guess I didn't know the intricacies, and that's the benefit of and they, remaining the duel. I'm guessing hand. their critical hit chance scaled off of my critical hit chance. Yeah, probably. So I just equipped all those critical rings, and I'm not sure how the scaling worked in general. So I would just go crit because you can never have too much crit. Yeah, I and don't know uh, the at my Dullahammers, my Dullahammers, man, I really was fond of them. Even though I, I was talking smack about them at first, I, yeah, I really ended up liking the Dullahammers a lot by the end, just because they would, they would be critting enemies for like hundred damage, like every two seconds, and it was crazy. I, I think that the Bloodbringer, the sword, was oh. the first one that I ended up getting. Uh, yep. So that was the one that I probably saw the most, and it also had the mo the interesting effect. He, he was kind of lame, and that he didn't do much. He was really slow, and he would make this annoying grunting noise. But he gave you a, a one-handed sword in your inventory that would get stronger and more intricately detailed as as the Bloodbringer himself would get more intricately detailed from yeah. leveling up, from just using him. And it ended up yeah, being one of the better was, swords in the game. Yeah, I thought it was really cool that your familiars actually leveled up totally separate from you, too. Yeah. You know, it wasn't just based on you. It, like, they had, like, they unlike the other shards, they had, like, ranks. Then they had, you know, a uh, number of shards. And then they also had levels, which can go up to, like, 99. Yeah, I didn't get anywhere near that with any familiar. Yeah, no, me neither. But, yeah, that Bloodbringer sword, it never quite was... I started farming about. I started farming with Bloodbringer just to level him up, like after a while. Um, and I got my sword pretty high, but it just never was quite able to keep up with some of the other swords that I was getting. I see. But I, I'm imagining, like, if you got him up to like level 99, I bet that sword would be like so strong. Yeah, it did. It didn't and, beat and I, the best sword in the game that I that I crafted at. You, like Ooh. as much as I played the game, but I didn't 100% use Bloodbringer to level him up. Yeah, um, yeah. I uh, what what did you guys? What was your favorite weapon in the game? Katana. I'm a, a huge weeb, and uh, it was <laughs> cool having all those techniques overlap. You know, you could learn them and then equip the next katana. I don't know if that was how it was for every weapon, but. Uh, no, Katana. Katana got big favoritism, so. Yeah, well, that's because weebs, man. So I learned all the techniques, and it was really fun. Hmm. All right. 
and their rate their hit radius was really good yeah uh, they did have a huge hit radius they'd hit like the toads when you were just standing there they would hit the toads because it was like a lower strike they hit the toads and that's why katana that's why katana because i switched to a sword and was trying to hit the toads nope Nope, so I switched. To, I switched to back to katana, and I was like, "This is my. This is it. This is my one. This is my weapon." Yeah, regular swords had like the you could cut diagonally, and I kept thinking that katana could do that too, but it couldn't. It just had a. It was wider, and that was its yep, benefit. Same. Same. I I think only swords had that option. Yeah, they they did, and it was honestly it just kept fucking me up in the game. Is there was a bit of sensitivity towards the game just being like straight down on the on the control stick well if you use the control stick you could use the d-pad obviously but if you just use the stick you would really easily get into the sideways motion so sometimes i would just want to crouch and just attack straight ahead and if i had a sword i would do the diagonal swipe for no reason and it would just mess me up all the time yeah i remember similar things happening too for me especially while crouched it would just totally screw up with whatever i was trying to cut up it would just basically want to cut the other way but yeah um i think yeah i ended up using swords pretty much exclusively though despite their shortcomings with that diagonal slash yeah i didn't think yeah i think i yeah i ended up using swords almost exclusively just because of high attack speed high damage just so powerful like attacking so fast you get that sword expertise at the start of the game too in like the first room yeah one of the first rooms yep yeah one of like the first enemy types i think is those like lion guys that tumble around Mm -hmm. they'll slash at you then tumble and i think those guys give sword expertise (laughs) yeah they're 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 really really proficient with their own swords so they drop sword expertise they're just yeah they swing and miss and fall (laughs) over on the ground and then i cerulean splash them to death (laughs) (laughs) yeah gracious death given to them yeah it's about all they deserve honestly and they'll be right back the second you you walk out of the room the second you turn your back they're already back and ready to get clobbered again (laughs) ready to be splashed once more (laughs) yes i don't think other than swords were bad at all so i think that katana boy um you dismissing swords not really fair you didn't use them enough they're good they're probably better than katana really I beat the game with Katana, had no problems. Well, <laughs> yeah, I mean, they, it's kind of like the whole dev team uh, was giving you a bit of leeway there, giving you 600 techniques to use with the Katana. Mm-hmm. And it's, oh, my God. It's kind right? of like a crutch swords, if you think about it. So then swords kind of suck because they don't have all the technique overlap like Katanas do. <laughs> they have a few. They have a few, but they definitely... Yeah, like, one like, or two. Like whip sure. and gun just got shaft. They get one technique. They Whip clearly... I felt bad for because Whip seems to be the uh, the Vania staple. Yes. You know, it's so iconic. And then I tried it out and it just felt so bad. Didn't feel good. Yeah. Nope. yeah Not slow. as much range as you would think. And then also just like slow attack speed. Yep. Yeah, that uh, that whole animation is crippling. Like I don't see what the allure is. Unless, unless there's some insane techniques out there for Whip, then... I don't know. Surely. I don't know what Surely the there are. I, I played, I tried to play with Whip a lot when I did like a new game plus. I specifically went out of my way to use the Whip a lot. And yeah, it felt, it just felt bad. I don't know. It was uh-huh. so awkward to use even. 
with like the max attack speed you could get for it there's something about the startup on the animation that just made it like why wouldn't you just i don't know use anything else Mm -hmm. Uh, you could spam that critical technique with it was about the only thing i could think of but yeah it wasn't it really weird coming from castlevania that whips seemed weirdly weirdly bad maybe that's Iga himself spitting on castlevania and starting a new superior (laughs) series with katana's leading the uh the fray being the new (laughs) weapon of choice the new iconic weapon was on in the game you would definitely think that the most important character, Weeaboo, Weeaboo is, Snake. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I titled him Weeaboo Solid Snake in my notes here. <laughs> yeah, you got a lot. Yeah, of that's a time. great way to put him. Yeah, he's like just so strong. He's just doing all the hard work for Miriam the whole time. Miriam just barely manages to squeak by. Zangetsu's already done everything. I just love in the beginning, every time you encounter him, he runs away from you. Like an embarrassed <laughs> schoolgirl. And I'm like, dude, Zangetsu is such a beta. He runs away from girls. It's pathetic. Oh my god. Yep. But, but every time you know, he says he's so powerful, he's yeah. like, I could crush you. And then he runs away. <laughs> yep. That's so hilarious. Oh my god, dude. Like, Zangetsu. Yeah. Every, that, there's just this one moment with Zangetsu. Uh, where he he lassos the train with his grappling hook, and he kind of just scoops Miriam up into his arms. <laughs> okay, that's <laughs> let's get okay. Let's talk about this. That's a great segue here because what the fuck was that whole thing with the train? Um, it happened so fast that I thought I skipped something. <laughs> like yeah and then like okay because you go up to the train and then zangetsu's there and they're like we got to board this train and then all of a sudden the train's so it's leaving so fast and he's like throws this whip and it looks fucked up because let's let's be honest here these cutscenes are kind of ps2 looking ass cutscenes. Yeah. like every everything in cutscenes and talking animations is really janky and pretty shitty which is kind of surprising but the story isn't really the main thing i guess but it's just still like kind of distracting for the most part yeah but um but then you're whipped onto the train and all of a sudden there's a time limit and they're like we gotta go and i'm like what the fuck is ha- what's going on yeah this, like, what nothing what? was clarified at all with that train and then they just run to the front and kill like a, a coal monster and that's it i think what was that? i think i think that was the hype train that was the hype train <laughs> heading to ego's, train. ego's mansion Yes. I just, I don't know. That's one of the weirdest things to me about the game is that, like, the disparity between the, the like, the combat animations are really good and the, the voice work. Like, everyone's voice acting was really good. I like, was it surprised was, by how good the voice acting oh, was. Yeah. How All about, the voices what, were good. And then, but then that? everything else sucked. What was, was that weird. vampire? Oh, uh. OD. OD. Warlock Dracula. OD. Yeah, he was cool. He was cool. His voice, I remember, was very cool. He had mm-hmm. the coolest you voice. You want to know something ever. cool about that? Yeah. What? Okay, so OD, Orlock Dracul. I'm not sure what that whole name is supposed to mean, but uh, you run into him, and he looks like Alucard from Symphony of the Night. If there aren't yeah. enough references already to that game, there's way more that I could bring up. But he, he looks like Alucard, and he's voiced by the guy who did Alucard. 
Oh, Whoa. sick. That's really cool. Wow, Orlock Dracul. Yeah, I wonder what that name... It's so let's, weird. Let's give it all to Kaiba, huh? Yeah, let's yeah. Let's give it all to Kaiba. Okay, so I, I, I'll, I'll give you the big reveal, but the first thing that I, I thought when I saw him was obviously, in my mind, I'm like, this is Alucard, or it's supposed to be like the spiritual successor to Alucard. And the thing about Alucard is his name backwards was Dracula. He's he's the yeah. son of Dracula in that game. So I'm like, what does Orlock Dracula backwards mean? And, you know, it's just nonsense. And I didn't put two and two together. But, Jade? But, guess what? OD is backwards. D-O. D-O. And guess what else is crazy? The secret, super secret boss fight we're talking about is against OD. Really? And guess what else? He has a fucking time stop thing, just like our boy Dio from JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. Whoa. And, you know, backwards, OD's Dio. It's totally, it's Dio. It's so layered, and I wonder how much of that is intentional, but you got to think probably the whole thing is intentional. Wow. You, did you yeah, encounter that's crazy. that? Did you encounter that fight, Kaiwa? I did not encounter that fight. When does he want to fight you? <laughs> it's... It's it's so weird and it's funny. I think I was I was streaming the game to a few people at the time near the end of the game and when you there's an ice cavern is the last area. Yep. And I'm like, "All right, I got to go make a pit stop." So I go back to the library uh where OT is, where he gives you the books. And he's like, "Oh, hey, I have a new book." And uh uh it gives you I forget what it gives you, the effects of a few other books. So it's pretty good. And you you can take that book. I don't know what the requirement is to make it show up at all. Do, do you know, Jade? I don't know. No. It just Maybe it's just advancement. Up. Like, you have to advance in the story to a certain point or something. Yeah. He, he unlocks a couple of books, but every time you take a book, you know, he says, make sure to return it, which is just like a gamey thing. Like, of course, yep. of course it'll be returned. But if you take this specific book and you go back to just this random room that was empty before, you might have noticed it was suspiciously empty and okay. you have this book, he just appears and says, hey, fuck you, you're supposed to bring books back to the library, time to die. What? Oh <laughs> yeah. my god. That's hilarious. Funny. What the hell? He's it's like, just... you deserve a fate worse than death. He's like so pissed that you didn't turn his book back. <laughs> and you've been to the area before, that area in yeah. particular. Wow. Yeah, yeah like... oh my god, I just realized... With the castle gone and OD gone with it, I never returned that book uh, <laughs> that I had in my inventory. Yeah, I a think few it's books. pretty funny too because that's going to be where the next game picks up. Is he's <laughs> going to be coming back trying to get that book from you or get revenge that, on you for not that's turning the Ritual book? Ritual of the Night Two. Ritual of the Night Two overdue. Overdue OD dude. Oh yeah. oh yeah, maybe that's um, the whole thing. It's funny after you beat him he wears uh silly joke glasses to 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 show his absolute like patheticness towards you to show that you're <laughs> dominant that he's a joke to you really oh yeah, my gosh good. i missed all this content look at <laughs> look at that i just missed this this whole exchange well yeah. you know that's the thing about these castlevania games it's so fucking obtuse mm-hmm. there's no there's no telling there's so many different times <laughs> oh, where yeah, progression where is going. just lost. 
like uh, like speaking of the like OD and the train, like who like who could have known that you have to go to OD after the, you after here's, you here's, get your picture taken. This is the big thing with these games because at least this is my opinion. This is what happened to me, okay? okay. Uh every time I would be off exploring something and I'd make a pit stop back at uh, Arventville or whatever. Um she would be giving me a hint. Dominique would be like, hey, this, you know, uh, Zangetsu left this cryptic poetry about a fiery zone. And I'm like, I don't even know what the fuck, of, where is a fiery zone? Yeah. I haven't been to one. And it, it seemed like the hints were always way before where I was currently going or what I had on my mind to go do. Mm-hmm. So I remember that Dominique did say, oh, maybe the vampire in the castle knows something about pass, ca- pass cards to get onto a train. But it was so like, you know, everything is placed just so strangely. And that's, it's just really weird. Because, you know, the progression in the games is so, it's pretty varied. I mean, you could go be doing something completely different, not even progressing the main story. And then for some reason, you'll be getting a hint being like, hey, you know, do this in this uh, forbidden gospel uh, cathedral. And I'm like, what? What? Where? You know? <laughs> I, and yeah. that... I think the biggest problem with that is that there's no way to check any of that afterwards. And there's no way to, to pull up her dialogue again to be like, huh, where was I supposed to go? And there's oh, no way yeah, to no, check back. No there's no logs. journal that says current goal is to go do this. Yeah, and they leave it up to you. Like they respect your intelligence to a degree, but then they have these obtuse puzzles with one hint. And if you miss it, it's just gone. Yeah. And like and then there's times there's no hints mm-hmm. and times that things don't even make fucking sense. And I just wonder if I didn't, you know, I caved. I caved and asked, you know, asked my boy Cole what to do. Uh I'm sure you you had the same thing, Kyle, when you get inverse. Oh, yeah, I remember they that Dominic did mention that thing about the inverse. Like, uh... Like, you can get to new places. Yeah. And that's it. Exactly. But that doesn't t- say shit about Aegis, Aegis armor being, like... <laughs> yeah. And that's another thing, is the stupid-ass Aegis armor. There's no other armor with any effects that mitigate anything else. So if you weren't reading the descriptions of the armor, there's no way to know that it could, you know, prevent... Why would you read effects? It's just flavor text for everything other than the Aegis armor and, I guess, that Valkyrie one that changes your appearance. And that's it. Yeah. It's just flavor text for was, everything. Well, there was a, the gunman scarf, which makes you fire your gun faster. Yeah, but that's in the accessories. Y- yeah, you're right. You're right. That is in the in, Like, accessories are all about that stuff. But the armor, it isn't generally. There's, like, fucking 20 pieces yeah. of armor. And there's just this one piece that you have to get in the tower after getting inverse to get through the fucking spike wall that Zangetsu set up to fuck you over. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. And the, the way that it was placed seems like it was deliberately like so far away and just so out of normal reach yeah. that they were almost like hiding it. It's in a from, really yeah. weird spot for being something required. I, I'm pretty sure it's totally required. If you get past it without that, it's you're cheesing the game. Like, is this, is the obtuseness like this, is that a Metroidvania thing? Like, I know the progression in, like, Hollow Knight, 
look, sorry, Hollow Knight's kind of my only point of reference here. But, uh, and it might just be, you know, pulling at straws, but like the progression in Hollow Knight seemed like you could keep advancing through multiple areas, you know, like with your abilities. But it seems like in this game, it just felt like I needed one ability to get through a specific spot. And, you know, that was it. Everything else, it, it, I just don't know about this, like, all the weird requirements of places to go. Is that a Metroidvania thing, it being so obtuse in not telling you stuff like the Aegis armor and stuff like the photo ID? What is that all about? I think that some of that is mostly just up to Bloodstained having so many different progression requirements. And and they're not like they're not over overly stated like in Hollow Knight there's only a few upgrades you get and when you get them it's like a big moment in your brain like clicks you you instantly mm-hmm. know okay I can use this to get to a bunch of different places but there are many different times in Bloodstained where you pick up something kind of inane and and some like I think at least one point like the water spray it's just another shard like all the other yes, shards you get a, that and was you another need that you need that to progress so there's just too many of them and they can't spell it out or they don't want to spell it out to you every single time so when they try to vary it sometimes it just comes off as really strange and, and it the, i think that the more obtuse things are usually legendary when it comes to progression in these metroidvanias legendary how do you mean more like a maybe the better word would be notorious, uh, such as mm. Super Metroid has um, a puzzle that's only barely foreshadowed by some environmental storytelling, where you can use a a, a bomb to blow up like a a pipe that you're walking through in an underwater area, but you can never mm-hmm. do that otherwise. Like you normally mm. are hitting doors or blocks, but this time it's like you're blowing up an entire piece of scenery. And this is an older game, so that comes yeah. off kind of out of nowhere to a lot of people i think because you can look that's usually a point where people get really lost in the game and bloodstain just has a number of those i mean i think obviously getting the the shards and stuff to progress is one thing that's fine well i mean the movement shards like the stupid reflector ray and shit like that but this aqua shard there's no indication you know that you can put it to that use I mean, you're probably testing it underwater, but I think I just it says think, in like, the description at the very least. Like that one's yeah. easier to understand. Okay, yeah, yeah. I, I guess just killing, just knowing that you have to kill the guy who has it. Isn't it the horse? Uh, it's no, not it, the horse. It's one of those flopping things. One of those okay. weird. It's like the, a different, a reskin of the guy that gives you cerulean splash. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. So yeah, it's it just was like if you were to go through an area and not have killed or killed those dudes and they didn't drop a shard, like what the fuck would you do? Yeah. I, I, they might just give it to you automatically, but I'm not sure about that. I I guess you have to kill one. Maybe uh, you're doing a pacifist run and you don't kill one. And then what? (laughs) Yeah. That's the way they shut down all the pacifist runs. That's the (laughs) hard wall for pacifism. I, I think the splash is more or not the splash, but the water spray is a little easier to understand since you want to know what this shard does when you equip it mm-hmm. so you read that and that you know that that one's more the logical aegis armor. <laughs> the aegis armor the aegis is armor. a little less defensible there's no yeah. there's no description of an armor when you pick it up you know there's nothing that you have to go into your inventory and look at it and 
it's just so weird. I don't know. Yeah, and, and with that spikes area that you need the Aegis armor for, like, I literally, uh, I just went up there, and I, like, used food and, like, and stuff to just tank the spikes. <laughs> oh, you just, just got through like that. Through it. Yep, I, and I know that when you get hit with spikes, you go backwards, so I just turned myself around and basically propelled myself down by just damaging myself on the spikes. Mm-hmm. Made it all the way up to the top, but then you can't cast that masterwork or that craftwork uh, hand thing to pick up those little like iron maidens. So then oh, I was good. stuck up there multiple times. Once before I had the invert spell. Uh, another time before I had the Aegis armor because you need that to move the craftwork thing or those those Iron Maidens. Otherwise, you can't go further. But I think it would be cool if they if they could make it that you could get through in the way that I was trying it, like brute forcing your way through without Aegis armor. Uh, that's just one weird point of progression in the game, I think. Yeah, because I guess it would be pretty understandable that you would try. Like, you could get through with food, because food's just, you know, Breath of the Wild-style overpowered, but... Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that makes yeah. sense. That's a good... That's cool that you tried it out, but it, it really sucks that you were met with uh, met with that iron... That impassable, you know, thing. An Aegis. Almost an Aegis stopping me from advancing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, exactly. when I, I when I was hunting around with Inverse, uh, like, I went to explore that spot, but I spent, like, half an hour not realizing I could even get to that spot where that armor is because I kept landing on the plat when I would invert and then you know you flip everything upside down and I would land on that platform but the camera didn't pan down any further <laughs> to show me there was something there so I'm like oh this is the top of the map there's nothing up here oh, and I just kept oh. missing it uh, oh, but but then when I picked it up you know I, I was reading the flavor text and I you know luckily I knew where to go as soon as I got and I knew it was important but it's so, it's so easily understandable how it would be missed first and foremost and how you wouldn't even if you had it you wouldn't realize how important it is yeah that's the that's the biggest issue in my opinion is that it could have it could have been mitigated by maybe having adding more armor with weird effects like that like maybe an armor that prevents you from getting poisoned or an armor that prevents status effects or something like that if there was anything else like that in the armor section then yeah. I then I think it would be just slightly more forgivable, but otherwise it's it's really super lame. Well, what about the other the other progress? I'm sure you guys both hated the the when you have to bring the pass plate. I think to OD to get onto the train. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, that was uh, that's just weird. All that stuff yeah, that is was... weird. Like. That was another moment for me when I just like had no clue what to do, and I ended up actually asking you guys just because I was like so stuck, I mm-hmm. couldn't see like a physical point of advancement, and it, it turns out it was just like the weirdest thing that if you miss like one of Dominique's like recommendations from like several days ago, <laughs> yeah, then uh, then you know you you just don't know what to do at that point. That's the most that's the most egregious thing too is you go to Arventville, you're like, I'm going to stock up on potions. And what do you do when you talk to a shopkeeper in any other game? You fucking mash X mash. because you don't want to yep. see them go, what are you buying? You know, you just want to skip yeah, right by and it. and they have that exact thing in the game. So, And there's a skip button. You don't even have to mash it. You press that as soon as you start talking to them, and it just skips the whole thing. And I did that yeah. every time. So it's it's kind of like 
why have her give these hints one time and have her be the fucking shopkeeper of the game? And, like, <laughs> it's just, like... And then she can't say anything else. Yeah, maybe they should have... It sounds like they should have given you, like, a, a journal entry when you heard her say that. Yeah. But I don't think it gave you anything like that. They have a whole fucking compendium. I don't know why. It seems so easy. There's quests in there, and the quests track on the minimap, but they couldn't give you the hints? I skipped right? every hint in the game, I think, on accident. Yeah. <laughs> and, and this makes me... This is a conspiracy that I've I've been thinking about. What if he, the guy made the game to just be as obtuse and confusing as possible so that people on the, you know, people playing it would be stuck for as long as possible and Whoa. that there would, there could be like a two week gap or something where no one knew how to beat the game because it was just like no one knew how to advance and he was maybe trying to make it some sort of mystery, mystery platformer. That the whole world would have to work on together to try to find out how to <laughs> to get the Aegis armor and advance the in, the entire plot of the game. That would be very very cool if that were the case. But just the fact that the hints even exist is kind of like uh, counter counterproductive to that cause. Yeah, that's it's just true. The, it's just if she would repeat like if if the game obviously <laughs> knows where you are, so why she should just repeat like. The dialogue if you isn't there a talk option there's um, not a talk option is there no i don't think so other you just than press the up. interface with their shop yeah i don't think yeah there's it's a, just like expressed talk option so if they're like oh the game knows that you haven't got the double jump then they'll tell you like hey she'll just say that shit over and over and over again and then you i don't know there's got to be some way to solve that problem because it's, su- it's such logs. a big one yeah kai was right on the compendium that's definitely the the most obvious and easy way. Yeah, they track side quests, so why don't they track the main quest? I should and, head here. And speaking of tracking, how <laughs> about those, uh, what were they called, like techniques? Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Like, what, uh, what was up with the techniques? Like, I don't understand why when you unlock a technique, like from a bookshelf, you read the book and you unlock a technique... I don't understand why that d- isn't just like archived like permanently in your like techniques area. Instead, you have to actually use the ability first on the weapon that you get, right? Or is there a note that's made in the logbooks about thought, those techniques? Yeah, but... there there is a recording an exact copy of what you read on the bookshelf, but it's in a different spot. Like it's just an extra step uh... to record it in the actual techniques menu. And uh, yeah, I, I wouldn't say that's a super major issue because they give you that information in the journal, but yeah, they, they just make you it, jump through one hoop for no reason, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I feel like that it definitely threw me off. And I was just like, you know, I never really knew to look there for my additional techniques. I would just go straight to the techniques window and I'd be like, where are all of my techniques? Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's I think that's a reasonable issue to have. I had to reference that other menu where the book version of it is many times to try and just figure out, okay, what weapon? Cause they, they specifically require you to use it on a specific weapon to master it or even record it in the thing. So yep. I'd have to check it so many times to make sure I had the weapon that I wanted to try and use. Yeah. <laughs> yep. I don't know. It seems like, yeah, I don't know. It's just a, a slightly weird interface, but 
I guess this is like a revival in the series, like, and they're just trying, and they're, they're just getting this game like kind of off the ground. Yeah, they're pretty still much. working out the so, kinks. They're working yeah, out the kinks. <laughs> yeah, I guess, I guess I can give them a pass on some of the interface issues, but that Aegis thing, that Aegis armor was unforgivable. Yeah, that's I don't like. That's my biggest hang up on the progression of the game, for sure. I mean, I would tell you. I didn't. I thought it was reasonable to be reading the items because they're not Dark Souls like. But the fact that I'm two to one here tells me that there's probably an issue in clarity. Man, that's like the opposite for me. Like, I wasn't reading the items because they didn't contain any cool information. It was just like a, a breastplate of silver that can repel bullets or something. And I was just like, fucking so cookie cutter. It's not like Monster Hunter. You know, there's no cool, crazy weapon descriptions about things cutting the fucking world in half and stuff. Like, it's just like, (laughs) there's nothing cool. I was like, I don't need to read these because they're just basic-ass things. Yeah, I I think they wanted the the location to clue you in, but it doesn't because there's so many other items in weird locations, too, that are just inane. And there were were hats. There were a couple hats, maybe... And definitely the accessories. I think I just kept seeing items as accessories and checking. And yeah, it's more often than not that the regular armor you would equip would do nothing that wasn't just listed in big graphics and stats. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, accessories, I definitely read those, you know, because it's a whole different... Those are meant to to tailor to certain abilities and have certain effects. Whereas armor didn't throughout the whole game except for aegis armor which is the big problem like if they did then it wouldn't have been an issue at all but my my biggest hang up outside of the that uh od with the pass plate and stuff which was again it was just another time where you had to do one extra step um they did make it a big thing i think it's pretty memorable when you sit down in the chair in the shop and and Dominique tells you, oh, yeah, we need some uh, mercury or whatever it was to get this picture mm-hmm. thing working. And that was whatever. But I remember specifically when I picked the item up that she needed, I was like, okay, I'll go back there and get my picture taken. And I thought that maybe you'd get an actual picture of your character or something to show off how you could design them. But instead it was in like a key item in your inventory, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So, yeah. so that told me, okay, it's for progression. And I look at the whole map, like, where haven't I explored? And the only spot is the train station. I'm like, oh, okay, that makes perfect sense. You get a picture as, like, an ID for a train. Mm-hmm. But then you need to go to OD, actually, to turn it into a passport yeah. for the train. So you need an I item to get that. an item to get to the train. I think I did run all the way over to the train zone and then with my picture and just hoped because I didn't know. I was like, this is the only possible thing I can do. Yep, I made it over to the train zone as well with only the picture in my inventory and had to go back to OD first before I could. <laughs> so all so three we all us. made the same exact That's, yeah. Why? Why do they do that? Why do they give you one extra step to go? Like, the only thing I can think of is they're trying to tell you, oh, if you go back to OD, um, sometimes he'll have new books or he'll let you take out more books. But that's yeah. such a weak and lame-ass excuse if that's the case. And I, I don't know. I just stumbled. I just went back to him eventually after like 30 minutes, 45 minutes of running around yeah. trying to figure out what to do next. 
it's like they're trying to just it's almost like they were trying too hard to make it a puzzle game <laughs> yeah some of that it just is... didn't fl- like they added unnecessary steps to the point where the game just wasn't flowing like it should have it's moon logic it moon is logic. it is a little yeah. bit i'd say that the other castlevania games because i think a lot of the things in this game are just supposed to be an homage to castlevania and those mm. games usually had ways to reach certain areas, secret areas, different endings through some more cryptic stuff that you were supposed to read into. And they just kind of incorporated that into the main progression path here, even really early on. And it... Well, shit. It did we were feel wrong. off. Then we were wrong. What were we wrong about? What were we wrong about? We were wrong about this stuff being obtuse because I don't, because I don't have any experience in Castlevania games. Yeah. Maybe that's my fr- my fault. Maybe, you know, you're supposed to read all the items that you pick up. I just didn't. Yeah. Uh, maybe it's just, you know, chalk it up to my first, you know, uh, mainline, quote-unquote, Castlevania game, except for the Aegis armor, because fuck that. Yeah, it's to be fair, I can't think of an example in the other <laughs> Castlevanias I've played off the top of my head where it was an item like that that you needed. It's usually something that goes in your key items or it's a specific spell. Mm-hmm. And those are obviously going to draw your attention more than weird whatever the Aegis armor, like regular equipment, everyday run-of-the-mill stuff. Speaking of stupid shards required for 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 progression, all right. I've been waiting for this. This also goes back to the shortcuts predicament. Okay. Okay. Fuck. Mm-hmm. Fuck. And I mean fuck. <laughs> I hate this so much. I hate that there are shards required to move around to get through walls or to get through little cracks on so many different levels. On so many Mm -hmm. fucking different levels, I hate this so much. I hate the fact that you have to switch shortcuts. You have to have a shortcut that's progression uh, to get past walls shortcut to have this thing equipped to get through a tiny little crack. And that's the stupid thing again because guess what? You get first. You start off with reflector beam, right? Yep. Yeah. And it's it's kind of interesting because it can it can at the, in the beginning it can kind of help you even double jump farther up. So it's kind of cool in that respect. But the fact that you need to use it to get through little tiny cracks, and then later you get teleport, which there, no no need to reflector beam anymore. I can just teleport through any wall. Yep. And and the fact that like. All this stuff, you're running around. There's like hardly any puzzles. It's it's such a brain dead thing. You come up to a wall and you go, "I have to teleport through this," and then you teleport through it, and then you switch back to your main thing. And it's just such a fucking drag. It slows the pacing down so much. And this is another thing. the The only thing required with those shards is the movement aspect, going through a wall or going through a crack. But in the very beginning of the game. You use a fire one to ignite a cannon to shoot a wall, and there's never anything else like that. Yeah. yeah. There's no other puzzles oh, with man. shards other than moving through a fucking wall. And it's like, it's the biggest drag to stop everything and switch. Cole was watching me stream, and I would switch, start the animation, and then instantly switch back even before I was done getting to the other side because I was just so, it just it's so dumb. I'd say the only other instance of... Uh a shard being used more uh, contextually like the fireball is maybe blood steel. Oh hmm. yeah, stealing and the blood. And that's like the only the other time 
yeah, I guess that could almost be another. Um, well, the well is such a a, a a place of interest right away. Oh yeah, because you it's like blood all over, and you're like, whoa, what's happened here? And then you can kind of go into a little tiny crack, a hole, and mm-hmm. sink into the blood, and uh-huh. you're like, oh, I can't go down. What's going on? And then you get the blood steel thing, so it's kind of like easy. But I could see that being another another progression block for people being like, "How the fuck do I? What do I do now?" Oh yeah, yeah. And you kill a boss blood. for it, so mm-hmm. it should kind of draw your attention. Yeah, but yeah, it's another time where maybe you wouldn't put two and two together immediately. But I agree with when it comes to the movement shards, and I know how layered your your complaint with it is. But for me, it's it's a additionally complicated because they put all of the useful shards on your manipulative slot mm-hmm. where you can aim where you mm-hmm. want to go. Yep. Cause you've got like three different or four different types of shards, but like all the good ones are on manipulate, including the ones for the puzzles. Yeah. Well, the movement ones. Oh, so why it, is the it, hand want to manipulate one? Cause you, it, when you're holding things in the air, you can't even move them around. Yeah. You just hold it to one side. It's so fucking stupid. The hand one is another one that I hate so much. Yep. Just mm-hmm. having the need for that one, like is so annoying that you have to even carry it around. Cause it really doesn't do anything for you. I mean, I guess you could probably try to use it offensively, mm-hmm. but it would probably be like one of the worst abilities. Like, oh, once you get that dash shard, though, where you're just sprinting everywhere so (laughs) fast, that's like the best feeling ever after running so slowly through the game forever. I can forgive that one. Mm. I can totally forgive the existence of that one taking a slot just because it's so good. And that's the other thing is that when you get, you have invert, Mm -hmm. but then when you get that super high jump, you don't need invert anymore. It, yeah. It's like, what's yeah. the... And you can get it really, really fast after you get invert. You you get the, the Aegis armor with invert, and then you can probably get up to that spike room without invert, mm. right? I, I, or can't I, you? I think you can. Wait, super Either way, high jump. What are you talking... Yeah, that's, it's optional. But you can get... If you have... I think you need invert as the prereq, and then you get a bovine plume from a certain enemy in the in the oriental lab okay and you can combine those two at the alchemist for an optional passive shard that lets you just it's the high jump from symphony of the night you just press up and a button and you for free unlimited times as many times as you want you can just jump super super high like above the length of a normal room yeah and so you don't need invert because you can just jump normally and invert makes you sick and has a button input anyway yeah i would always do invert and basically just fly around to wherever i needed to go by just reversing and re-reversing gravity to just hover around You were missing rooms. out big time then because yeah. it's it's it makes me sick watching Ugh. the room turn over. And I would do it on accident all the time, too. <laughs> yeah. God Well, damn. what happened to me is I would be trying to invert it, but I would just, you know, screw up the controls to do it. Yep. Like I'm trying to dodge an enemy attack by going onto the ceiling, and then I'm trying to do invert in a pinch, and I just can't get the thing off, and I'm like, just like teabagging and then like attacking or something <laughs> just mashing controls floundering around trying to invert gravity yeah yeah i definitely some of the older metroidvanias had clunkier like this the version of high jump and bloodstained is it like disgustingly easy to perform and you can do it infinitely whereas i think the high jump in symphony of the night required the invert button input and you had to do it over and over, so it would sometimes it would be tough. Mm. Or um, or in Super Metroid, there's a wall jump. I don't remember if it's required to progress 
and it the the timing is so strict on it that it would be extremely difficult to perform. So Bloodstain makes this advancement where these things are easier to do, but then they shove them down your throat and force you to do them, and it just becomes an annoyance. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. It felt like mastery in these other older games, and so this newer game, I would think, would find an even better way to implement them. But instead, it's 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 so arbitrary feeling. I don't know. Yeah, I, it- I agree that I really hate all of these different moves you get, and some of them you just throw away right away. You don't need them. Yeah. yeah. It just made me, like, when I'm backtracking, you know, I, when you're backtracking through an area trying to farm something or trying to get somewhere to check out if that's maybe the place to go, looking for the uh, the Aegis armor mm-hmm. that you don't even know is the solution, you know what I mean? Like you you're don't just even know around. that it's there. There's no hint yeah, telling you that exactly. it's there either. You, you don't know where you're supposed to go. You're backtracking and you're like, I got to check this area out. Maybe I haven't, maybe I missed something. And then you come up to one of those tiny little cracks and you're like, oh, I just want to go here and check. That's all I want. But now they're making me fucking swap to this skill to get through this little crack. It's, uh, yeah, there's no challenge to it. That's, that's, the, yeah, there's nothing. There's no, the synapses don't even need to fire in your brain to like realize <laughs> how to get through that. Reflectoray had some cool things too like you said you can use it early on with double jump and get like additional height and I feel like I sequence broke a couple times with that or got mm-hmm. stuff early and it was it was cool and fun and then they had these reflector plates but they didn't do anything with them there were no puzzles with it yeah. they just existed mm-hmm. for <laughs> to make the gaps look more complicated or something <laughs> yeah. or just so you aim it properly pro- properly but it was just a waste of time yeah like Big time. i remember i was streaming the game once and you were you were saying that to me like i was trying to like aim some jump with the reflector plates and you just said like you don't even need to bounce off those plates you can just use the raid to go straight into the destination that you need to go <laughs> so I was just like, oh, okay. And then I just did it. But yeah, you don't even need Reflector Ray. Uh, That teleport ability, you know, you get so late in the game. And I can't remember, you know, many locations in the game where you would need to, like, jump in between walls like that. Yeah, I mean... At least in what I saw, so... Mm -hmm. There was that and some secrets in one room, I think. Mm of the of the oriental lab and i don't remember any other you had to get that one guy who keeps getting lost yeah to get him beyond that it's just like a upgrade i guess to the reflector ray yep and in either way it takes up a slot on your (laughs) on your build to to solve puzzles if if that's the best way you want to put it and and yeah it cuts down on your shortcuts too it's like a pokemon hm you know exactly like having strength or or a hm slave that's probably honestly the best the best equivalent yep uh point because just like in i mean they even mitigated it though in later pokemon games where you approach the tree that you need to cut and it'll go do you want to cut this yes but you still need a pokemon with fucking the the thing equipped you know which is just Mm -hmm. a a, you know that what what are their hms right hms yeah, I think yep. so. You know, there's the classic phrase, this is my HM whore Pokemon. They could just equip yep. the most <laughs> HMs on there. Then you just have it in your sixth slot and you never use it other than to just swim up a fucking waterfall. It's just so yeah. ridiculous. Yeah, I always called them in, in, worker class Pokemon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like a, like a Machamp, Machop or whatever is it, a worker class Pokemon, yep. that timber. 
yep. these guys just do menial labor for us superior humans <laughs> it's in the fact that they cut down on the all the shortcuts i don't know why they let you have eight shortcuts but they only give you five if you find them all in one playthrough and then they have the audacity to cut one down further if you want to have like any sanity left to quickly switch to these so it's almost like you're starting off with a, a four or a five pokemon team and then one of them also has to be like an hm slave yeah yeah like you were saying that like yeah i i found myself like not able to have like the damage abilities that i wanted to in all of my slots at one point because i think i only had three like i might have missed one of the one of those like crucial um shortcut shards mm. and, and mm-hmm. i might have just been handicapped the whole time playing through it. i i'll never know but uh basically yeah i just found myself when i only had three like i i had one that was the designated like movement and motion like uh sort of shortcut and then the other one you know i had to have the aegis on it too to get through stuff so now already that one can't be my damage class anymore so then i was left with just one single uh shortcut shard that was able to do like any substantial damage and the rest of them you know they were just like basically like my movement and like utility shards holders Otherwise, it's, you would yeah. have to go and in, in individually go into your in like equipment and your shards equipped and just change them out uh, physically them, every time. Stuff. It's the swap I don't know problem. Why they do that? Yeah, the swap <laughs> they, problem. That's there. That's why, it's a new Why thing. would they make it optional? I don't understand. Why are they optional when pretty much the only thing it does is cut down on menu time mm-hmm. to have these shortcuts? And you know, uh, thank thank the heavens we got eight of them i guess but really not eight of them <laughs> i yep. yeah you can't play with all the weapons easily because i think for a gun i only really played with it once i got something that reduced ammo consumption or something oh but i i had other builds that i was doing on my other shortcuts and i mean i feel really really bad that you didn't find the rest of them because you were super screwed with only three yeah shortcuts it was, total, it was tough i eventually found a fourth one which was very useful but i never found that fifth one so why would they make it optional it, it's we had a, something like this in the persona game too why why is it optional when it feels almost mandatory to having more fun with the game? Yeah, you what, absolutely. And, or just get, unlock them as you progress, right? Doesn't that make way more sense when you reach a certain threshold? You go back to Johannes and he's like, hey, here's a shortcut shard or something. Oh, yeah, absolutely. For sure. It needs oh, to be part man. of the progression or you maybe need to start with two. Maybe you yeah. start with two. and then. Oh, yeah, you don't even start with any. You just have the one build. Yeah. Which I guess is fair because you're learning the game. <laughs> Yeah, uh, maybe it just needs to be. It definitely needs to be tied to progression, not not exploration. Yeah, it almost. Sure. It seems like just like kind of like this relic uh, or something that JRPGs love to do. They love to throw in weird little little kinks in the system like this, where like even just having something as as nice as like a utility slot to include. <laughs> you know other builds and other shards are even behind like a locked system so you have to keep playing the game to even you know play the game that it was meant to be played with eight fully unlocked like shortcuts that you could customize Mm -hmm. it seems like just such a weird thing to shut out from 
from like access. So yeah, I don't know. I mean, even even just going on to shards. I feel bad that the movement shard takes up another slot. You know, mm-hmm. did you guys ever feel like experimenting with other stuff on that slot? With the yeah, that was the directional one was the one that I ended up using the most. And that's probably why I it mean, frustrated yeah. me so much. The directional I think had the most different shards on it and generally for me I found them to be the most fun to use but then the blue ones I forget what they're called I think that might have been manipulative mm-hmm. but uh, there was just a couple maybe a dozen or so of them in the whole game that yeah. you would unlock and some of them were cool Cat, but then you at the end of the, the cool succubus yeah you get you get that one that turns you into that or the there was one that lets you block stuff from the front I thought that one was really useful mm-hmm and then you get at the end of the game that running one lets you run super speed. Yes. Mm-hmm. And at that point, the game feels like slow as hell when you're not running yep. that fast. You need to. And be so why would you that. ever take it off? <laughs> yeah. Every time I switched to a shortcut that didn't have that on, I would press that button. And I'm like, why am I not running way fast? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And the whole game fell off. Yeah. Then. Once you unlock that, you just can't go back. You've already been spoiled to what the game could be. So now you you're always going to be running, and you better have a sh- you better at least have one shortcut with it dedicated to it. Otherwise, you know you're going to be manually switching every time. Yeah, but I wish that the shards had more. I don't know how it would work with with the way that buttons are laid out, at least on a controller. But there's only one of each type you can equip, and it's kind of a pain at least the shortcuts help let you experiment and play with different... I tried as much as possible to put different things on each different build and not double up so I could play with stuff. Mm-hmm. But things like the reflector ray and the run, they just kind of overpowered everything else in specific instances. Well, the reflector in specific instances and the run all the time. And it felt like there wasn't a reason to play with them. Yeah. Yeah, like and you can't even do damage with the reflector ray. Yeah, can you? you say overpowered, you can, but it sucks. They don't it's have shitty. any damage. And it's like the the boss who uses it can just fuck you up with it, and then you get it and you do like seven damage with it. If yeah, you could have done any pathetic. sort of physical thing, it would have been cool to dash through enemies or through attacks or something mm-hmm. to do damage. But and instead, the, it's just piss. Yeah, and then the teleport one has actually zero damage that it does, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's yeah, probably more useful than the reflector ray, even. Yeah, and movement, movement-wise, yeah. Yeah, um, I, yeah I don't know why. You don't have it's, to aim it. Yeah, really. I'm not sure why they chose to make some of like the highest damage shards in the game compete directly with like movement and utility shards that you just have to have to move around. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Because then you're you're just so like strange. you're toying with well, which would be more useful as I'm going through this run? The ability to like jump out of the range of a bunch of enemies real quick, or just the ability to blast and obliterate them all. But then with the the caveat that you could always run into a little crack in the wall that you <laughs> would be totally unable <laughs> to get past unless you had that equipped. Yeah. Ick. I mean that that why triangle y button whatever basic shard that you use the cerulean splash oh, the on. summon one i think it's a summon you conjure no not the summon one you conjure the cerulean. oh yeah 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 that's yeah, the yeah. name of it i mean to a degree i think it's funny that you use the same shard throughout the whole game but then at the same time i'm thinking to myself 
that one had like the lamest stuff on it. I almost never used it. Yeah, literally the the uh, lightning one is the best one. Like yeah, I, I put the lightning one on, but then I would just want to use all my resources and time casting the directional one mm-hmm. because there yeah. were so many cool, fun, strong things on it. Right? Definitely, yeah. The directional ones were the best. Yep, they were the most fun. So much damage too, and so many places would have like shards unlocked. Or you could easily unlock more shards by just killing, like, the same enemies over and over. Mm -hmm. And then just, like, get a really, really strong directional ability. Like, I used, for directional abilities, I used the, like, arrow one. What's it called? Like, true shot or something? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that one, I think we've heard (laughs) many of us used a lot. It was strong and easy to use. Just, like, little flying enemies that you can just never get. You can't angularly, like attack them with your weapons but this true shot 360 just you can shoot them anywhere they are and you deal huge damage and you have like i never had like a problem when it came to just running in between you know two save points or whatever i was never like running out of mana from using it too much i was just like looking for opportunities mainly to use it i found so okay this is kind of a little uh divergence from the topic here but uh, Kaiwa mentioned directional attacks. Yeah. Um, is that not a thing? I remember the very first thing I thought when I opened the game, when I started playing the game, was, "Huh, I can't just attack upward." Like mm-hmm. that's a is that a Castlevania thing? You can just attack in one direction all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. That's that's. I think Hollow Knight might have spoiled you in that. Yeah, because wow, bouncing. The off combat enemies. is totally different in that game where you are manipulating your one weapon but the thing for castlevania and bloodstained is the way that the weapon attacks varies between types and that's what is encouraging you to play the game differently so is there one that attacks upwards or do you just you just Um, always kind of have to jump and attack if there's anything it's probably a technique upwards yeah 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 i think think that's what shards and techniques were for is to make up for what your weapon lacked or just if you wanted to be a caster hmm yeah, that was just uh, initially kind of uh, was the first thing I noticed when I was trying to kill like a bat or something. And I was like, huh? Yep, you can you always just attack upwards. <laughs> you can always do your downward uh, A move, which would mm. your boot, your dive, dive kick. kick yeah. yeah, but that does yeah, like one right. damage. What <laughs> yeah. it really does, though, is bounce you off the enemy, which is like the most useful thing ever. Yeah, it's oh, way yeah. good. Get me started on that, why don't you? Yeah, where I I kept thinking, I I know I've already told this, but I knew there was a dive kick in the game because you can look in the journal and it says something about like how many times you've done it in a row or something. And uh, you know, in Hollow Knight, you could bounce off stuff, and I feel like I've played another game with dive kicking off of stuff. I just expected it in the game, but I couldn't do it at the start. So I'm like, oh okay, well I'll unlock it at some point and use it to to great effect. And you just get it when you unlock double jump. I don't know. I don't think the game tells you. It might if you read the shard, but it says double jump. So I'm like, okay, that's all I need to know. But then you can dive kick once you do that. And it opens up. It opens up so much of the game to learn how to dive kick. You can move around the game way faster, like move tech, uh, by utilizing it. You can get to places you otherwise couldn't before you reach invert and other stuff like that. And it's just fun. It's just kind of weird that it's unlocked 
in that fashion, I guess. Yeah. And you always have to double jump before you use it, so it gets awkward to use it in cramped spaces. Mm-hmm. I don't know how much fun you guys had with the movement tech in that game, but that was honestly... I felt a little spoiled at the end of the game with infinite high jumps running so fast. It felt like I didn't have that fun movement that I had at the beginning of the game in exploration. Yeah, Yeah. I mean, I'm not technically proficient enough. Like, I didn't know that was within the bounds of my movement capabilities even and then when you were like dude double jump off that guy to get or you know jump kick off that guy and i was like holy shit what i can just do this like i didn't know that you can really get to so many areas like jump kicking off of like lanterns and stuff and and just guys flying around yeah that is very very cool but once again yeah you get a skill to just completely illegitimate it doesn't matter anymore Who, who gives a shit about it once you get the you know crazy high jump or i mean all you really need is invert too like that mm-hmm. that came pretty early in the game honestly and you can just like after that the whole world is your oyster and that's like the yeah. only way that i was able to get around that area one of my favorite areas in the game was the area where everything was just bigger yeah that was cool <laughs> like what was it called like the hall of the den of evil or, or something oh the den the, of evil uh, behemoths isn't Behemoth. it called the den of evil I think it's Behemoths, Den of Behemoths or something oh, yeah, like okay. that. Yeah, like, I'm, thinking, I'm thinking the Bridge of Evil. I don't know. Oh, I think... Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think that was probably, like, my favorite area in the game. Because it was just, like... Just a bigger version of bigger the garden. bigger enemies, yeah, bigger version of, like, the same exact stuff. And that's, like, probably goes into one of the most interesting things I found about the game was, like, how they were talking about the castle and how it's, like everything was built like it it seems like it didn't make sense like everything was just a little bit off and like they were Mm -hmm. explaining like why are ledges too high why are these things not proper and then they're like well it was like it was literally spawned out of hell so it's Mm -hmm. like there's no actual like intent in mind to it it's just kind of like this amorphous fixture or something an amalgam of hellish yeah hellish designs exactly and uh yeah, and that that Hall of Behemoths area just kind of plays into that very well, I think, because it's just the same like kind of area that you've dealt with the whole game, but just like macro, like probably ten times bigger, if not more, than it was already. Mm. And then you have to use every like thing in your abilities now to just like navigate the the structure of the castle. That is pretty cool. Yeah, that is like nice because yeah. yeah, then at that point you do have a reason to uh, to use the jump and the accelerate to get around much faster. Otherwise, it's like you know it, that's cool. It's it good, takes uh, forever, but it harkens back to inverted castle. It's the same thing that you're used to, but exploring it in a different way. Yeah. And I think even invert was a a callback to that. But you don't you don't use invert to explore in a like an area in a different way you just use it to get to where you needed to go next a couple times yeah you know and there's lost potential there but i think the den of behemoths is a cool way to to have that same sort of feeling of exploration in a place you're familiar with uh just not in that same way that invert could have provided exactly do um on a kind of another note do you guys have what was your experience with like slicing the moon (laughs) like what did you guys think about that at first oh boy i that was 
one of the two biggest roadblocks for me in terms of progression progressing the game and i had to ask somebody else who had already beaten the game oh. about it because i i it just went over my head at first i didn't i didn't pick up on the clues that that you have to slice the moon in the in the Jeeble boss mm-hmm. fight at a specific time with the with the zangetsuto yeah. and i it, i don't know it just flew over my head and i missed it I, I killed him too fast in the first boss fight thought oh this is wrong and then just wandered the castle forever looking for where to go there was another obtuse progression moment for me okay i just happened to i happened to do it um cole was cole i think you were watching me do that right when i killed him so fast and i was like do i have to wait for maybe grimory to show herself or something and then i went back and did it again and i i did it right away so it just happened to click for me that that's what you were supposed to do yeah i think that you you specifically were keyed in on what was supposed to happen because that's another time where you get an item where the description kind of clues you in but there's so much other stuff around it that's telling you what to do yeah like zangetsu even says this is my blade then isn't it called like didn't he refer to it as like the moon cutter or something the like that, that yeah the description cut says the it moon. cuts the moon yeah, yeah. the blade that will and he hurt tells the you moon. <laughs> he tells you gremory is going to be near jeeble so yeah. like everything's there they just don't spell it out for you and for me, the biggest issue is that it's so easy to kill Jeeble too fast to notice what to do. There's another check mark for obtuseness. Yep, the Jeeble <laughs> or the yeah, the Jeeble fight. What was it for you, Kaiwa, since you asked? It was a weird experience for me. Like uh I the first time I, I just went when I got Zangetsu Zangetsuo, I should say. Uh I went in and I just started slicing the moon immediately and nothing happened so then I just kept <laughs> fighting him and then uh, <laughs> I was using like a poison dagger at one point and I, I started stabbing him up made sure Giebel was poisoned then I saw the moon turn color and I was like this is my chance this is when I was supposed to use it so I jumped up and I slashed at it but before I could get my full slash off Giebel just like died from the poison so i was just like stuck in mystery mode for even longer and i tried to fight the boss again finally and then that's when i finally cut the cut the moon oh you thought he died because you cut the moon yeah i thought he like died and i was just very confused because it like happened at the same moment and i was just like wait what You knew better than either of us what to do initially, but the, you got misled by something. <laughs> Just else. some crazy God, stuff. God, that's Matt's up. That's yeah. so funny. But what are the what are the chances that that poison would just do the last bit of damage to him right at that moment too? That's yeah. such a like a minute chance. And I thought I was like, oh, this is gonna be a different cutscene or something, but then it just gave me game over again, and I was like, what <laughs> is going on? But I had enough stamina in me to try it one more time, and then it just it worked. It just worked perfectly that time because he wasn't poisoned. So, hmm. but yeah, and then I had enough of a memory of when two of those other red moons were around, and I just took such notice of that moon. I, yeah, I thought yeah, that same. was kind of a cool aspect of how, like, that's what Gremory was hiding in the whole time. That was really, that was actually really well done, too, because, like, I I gotta say, you know, we haven't talked about the art style or the graphics or anything yet, yeah. but, like... The, the castle itself was really cool, and I really liked the atmosphere of the game. Like, 
the clouds rushing by like so fast just gave this like feeling that there was something wrong going on. Mm-hmm. And I remember that first hallway, I didn't even put two and two. You know, obviously, I didn't put two and two together. But that first hallway you see when the moon is so fucking big, I was like, whoa, this place is fucked up. And it's like moving along with you. I was like really anticipating some cool hellish shit. But I guess... Yeah, that room sticks out a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Like, the atmosphere of that game is very cool, very hellish. I was honestly expecting them to drive, like, more of, like, a horror, like, jump scare sort of um, thing home with you. Like, remember... I was hoping it would get like that, more hellish. I was just hoping it would get more twisted, but it really kind of stayed the same. Yeah. um, Like, I remember that one room with that painting of that, like like amorphous man muscle man oh, yeah. with the eye that just kind of followed you around and stuff yeah and there's nothing about it <clears throat> yeah there's no, just, nothing yeah, about just it just some weird, weird rooms where you just sit around and you just sit down in chairs and you just look at the art like mm-hmm. that's always funny did you guys get the celeste room what did you guys get did. into celeste's room i did yeah yeah i didn't i didn't understand what the point of it was but it was it was cool atmosphere yeah moment i guess yeah if there's a point to it yeah that's just another one of those it's a whole room even dedicated to just nothing i guess mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. just kind of sit around there's a there, room yeah, where you a... can sit down and like if you just sit down for a little bit like a ghost will sit down on the other chair whoa and there's like some music box kind of stuff going on i think yeah i guess it's not nothing but it's sort of it's it's weird in mm-hmm. a game of obtuse obtuse progression yeah that there are some weird things that have this mystery to them that i don't know if there's an answer to yeah definitely. but yeah i don't want to draw away from your point about the atmosphere because one of the things i thought was coolest is the was in the inferno area mm-hmm. where it kind of feels like the game's getting closer to being done when you reach that right mm-hmm. yeah and it, it's so far down, it kind of feels like hell because it's all this lava and stuff around. And in the back of the music, there's just this bell, like, gong, mm-hmm. gong. And it just, if so much finality to that. And it, I don't know, I was so pumped when that track was playing and I could hear <laughs> that. I, I think it's even cooler that uh, past that hellish area is the glacial tomb. And that's really the final area. It's yeah. kind of like the opposite of what you picture hell to be. Like, just an icy, cold landscape with fucking frozen demons in the background, like, ensnared in the ice. It was pretty dope, for sure. Yeah, all the demons, like, literally the ones that you fight in the hell zone are frozen in the the ice in that area. Yeah, it was cool. It's really the opposite of what I expected, for sure, and it still feels a little weird to me that that's the final area. Yeah, I didn't think it would be either. I thought it would be... I was always expecting something more twisted and, and like amorphous and grotesque, but yeah. it just ended up being a, an, an ice level. Just the final boss itself. Yeah. Is, is, is that, I guess, right? You no, know, uh, bosses. I'm going to go out and say this uh, every boss that isn't a human sucks. Yeah. Hmm. Um, how about, though, the. I liked the. Um those like rainbowish demons like the metal guys like the first one was the guy that gives you the double jump mm-hmm. i thought that was a cool fight that was like pretty intense fight most intense fight that i had the whole time um i just think like there's i have okay <sighs> every every <laughs> boss like that isn't a human it's so hard to tell what the fuck they're doing 
like that craft work like i couldn't even tell what it was so i couldn't read what its attacks were oh, that yeah. well and then like the tentacle one and the, the very first boss with the tentacles in the background that just like happened to fall down sometimes like it's just hard to to tell what's what's going on with some of the weird bosses but the humans you can always tell like it's just makes it a much better fight you know the yep. humans were way better were way easier to to read and understand what their animations were but um yeah. that actually i think you got a point yeah i got a big this is probably my one of my biggest uh discussion points here i really wanted to talk about this and what your guys's views would be okay um skill player skill appliance throughout the game is kind of weird um i don't know this is probably a castlevania thing but it just felt like everything in the game exploration part was so fucking easy to get through Mm -hmm. but then you get to a boss and you get your shit stomped in it's like you don't get to learn the skills throughout the game to apply to fighting a boss you know it's a whole different ball game than fighting skeletons and like a knight you know um yeah like bloodless that fight like <laughs> humbled me so much and it was the it to me bloodless is the highlight of that whole entire game honestly yeah. and i think it's 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 also partly um because her fight (laughs) it's so fucking good but anyway we'll get to that later but my main thing is like the only difficult part there are two areas i had hard time getting through and it was the the church bell towers were kind of tough um but and then the uh oriental research lab other than that everything else is so easy and there's no way you're not fighting these enemies you can kill the enemies in like three hits you know and you dodge their one attack and then kill them in three hits and that's it and then all of a sudden the bosses are doing all this crazy shit and there's no way to like have been like i got my first couple fights against zangetsu i lost fast because i had no he was so much faster than any enemy he had way more attacks and I just wasn't anticipating it. There's no way to know. You know what I mean? Yep. Like, there's the skill appliance through the game just seems strange. Like, bosses are the only challenge. And I guess that's the point of the Castlevania games, right? The bosses are the most fun part because there's a boss mode. Like, people like to fight the bosses. It's just weird that you have to test your skills by fighting and dying a hundred times rather than, like, getting through the game normally, you know? Yeah, like, I, I guess it does, it totally switches from, like, endurance mode, where you're just, like, yeah. in, trying to endure the onslaught of monsters while you're jumping through the castle. Then it switches immediately to, once you get into the boss zone, then you're now just, like, in a very tightly coordinated, like, hitbox-heavy boss fight. Yeah, a gauntlet. Yeah, totally. It's it, it's just weird, because it, <laughs> I don't know. It's it's interesting. I mean, it's not like it bugged me that much, but it's just something I I was thinking about. Like, there's no everything else in this game is so fucking easy, and then I hit Bloodless, and I was like, it was the best moment of the game because it was such a hard fight. But I was also like, wow, she's doing things, you know, I've never had to uh, contend with throughout the whole game until now. You know, oh, like yeah. there's there's all these different mechanics that you kind of have to learn 
uh, throughout the fight that are just like nothing you ever apply anywhere else. And then it's like, <laughs> this was my favorite part of the Bloodless fight, but it's also a problem when you finally kill Bloodless the first time and you're like, yes, yes. And then she starts sucking all the blood up that you splattered from killing her the whole time. And then it's like, phase two, baby, let's go. And I was like, my heart <laughs> dropped so... I was like, no. <laughs> yeah. And then there's all these mechanics with the blood dripping and like hiding under umbrellas to like get away from oh it. And gosh. like, you know, there's all this stuff like that you never have to do throughout the whole game except for a boss fight. And it's just weird. I don't know. Yeah, like... It's that, definitely very subjective, yeah, I think. Totally. Go ahead, Kaiwa. I'll let you oh, go sorry. ahead. sorry, yeah. That, that boss fight was just, like, definitely the most, like, mechanic tense point of the game for me, too. Definitely felt like a much of a bigger accomplishment to kill Bloodless than it did Gremory or Bael or mm-hmm. Dominique or anything else just bloodless that fight in particular was super cool like super fun i mean i even though i tried it like a million times i mean you guys were yeah. you guys were watching me do that so mm-hmm. yeah even though i tried so many times i was still having a good time in the fight you know it just felt like i was getting closer and closer each time but there was just so much i had to break through with her that i don't know it just felt like a really good accomplishment once i i finally beat her um yeah but yeah then i found and then the game goes downhill kind of yeah i honestly think it it does a little bit i mean that became once i got that that was like my favorite like ability i stopped using cerulean splash and i was just using the blood suck or whatever it's called yeah blood steel and i would just like just use that to heal back because honestly healing is the most broken thing in the game why do you think healing's broken? Oh well, that's just how I defeated every boss at the in the game eventually. Oh, you mean you mean from eating from your menu? Yeah. Like that was uh, once I realized like that. I, maybe that's the reason why the bloodless fight was like the funnest and most intense thing for me because I only had like like a tiny handful of healing items and I didn't want to <laughs> run back to town. To uh... that's my exact experience too. I had uh, three pound cakes. And that's all I had through the whole fight. (laughs) Yep, exactly. And I I had like some two fried fish or something like that. I can't exactly remember. Maybe it was pound cake, honestly. It sounds like pound cake might have been it for me as well. It was like tiny heels too. It was like so bad. Yep, so tiny to the point where I had to just be, you know, very cautious of like going through and like getting, taking hits. Like sometimes I could tell like if I just took a bunch of hits right away that I just already wasn't going to beat her at this rate. Yeah. <laughs> just because you have to do it really, really perfectly. So that's, yeah, I mean, after that boss fight, I kind of just realized how strong healing was. And I just, like, realized that it was, uh, that beating a boss wasn't as much of a skill barrier as it was a financial barrier. Yeah. Just to make sure <laughs> I think that's... that you had enough food in your inventory, you know, to, uh to go in and and kill whatever you're fighting yeah because you can very much agree yeah because it doesn't matter how bad you are at a certain point you can just financially overcome whatever boss is in the game which is which is miriam's true power at the end of the day (laughs) Uh, stuffing uh, her bottomless stomach a bottomless stomach yep that's a complaint that you hear a lot about breath of the wild it's the same Mm-hmm. exact thing is you can just open your pause menu and as much food as you can carry which 
is not much of an issue. Um, and the game gets more fun if you limit yourself from that. Like, I think you you enjoyed the Bloodless fight a lot because you didn't go back. Yep. You didn't go grind. Yep. So the whole experience is pretty subjective because I think, I think I may have heard before that Koji Igarashi's games are generally too easy. Uh, people's consensus seems to be. And Blood Bloodstained really lets you out out level and out gear mm-hmm. so easily and yeah you're totally right bloodless seems like the the climax of the game in terms of enjoyment it does just get easier and easier from there as your options continue to open up yeah bloodless is that perfect threshold where you don't have all these ways to get so strong and then once you get there you can start unlocking or you know you get to these areas to be able to farm shit and it's just like cake after that so, so the is the consensus is that Igarashi's games are easy. So like, it's just something I think I've read. You know, mm-hmm. uh, I, I'm I'm not sure. I I definitely agree. I thought the the whole game was on the easier side, and I think we picked the wrong difficulty. If if you think the game was too easy, that's because normal would probably should have been labeled easy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The hard mode. I I ran through hard mode on New Game Plus, so I'm unfortunately unaware of just how more difficult it was. But there were more enemy placements oh, cool. on the map, Whoa. and I think that would have probably made the game at least a little harder. And, mm-hmm. and Nightmare is just bullshit because you are stuck at level one the whole game. <laughs> oh God! Oh my God! So that's interesting, though. That's a whole other thing about difficulty settings, because yeah. it, normal is normal, and it's the way the game's meant to be played right yeah it's the yeah most or, or so you would assume because it's called normal yeah but i guess it is impossible to account for people's skill levels but my skill level only having played basically hollow knight i shouldn't have been you know which is a tough game to be fair yeah, yeah. based on most accounts so my my combat my 2d planed metroidvania combat experience is a little bit padded with hollow knight but otherwise i you know should be in the case i should be in the uh, normal difficulty, I would assume, you know. Mm-hmm. But I think it was just too easy to take advantage of the game's mechanics. It's way too easy to become way overpowered, and it's like it's not it's not cool. And see, that's the thing is like Kiowa, you didn't become overpowered by stats and by yep. shards. You became overpowered with your stomach. Your stomach became overpowered, <laughs> exactly. and that's how you went through the game. And so it's. <laughs> uh, and I had another huge thing, actually, about being overpowered. Uh, because, you know, you build up all these passive shards that give you passive bonuses forever. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You inhale all these shards, grade 9, rank 9. And throughout the story, they say, oh, don't let your shards control you. It's a bad thing to have a lot of shards. But it <laughs> never is. There's never any negative yeah. effect in the game. Good point. And it, there's yep. no reason. It's... It's stupid. And then Jeebel dies because of it. Jeebel dies losing himself to his shards. He must have been a fucking weak-ass bitch if he died to his shards. And <laughs> well, we... Imagine, imagine though, because we inhale all these hundreds of shards. How many did he have to die to his shards before we did? And then he went down in, like, fucking five hits like a puss-ass. Right? Jeez. And then he actually died, though, right? He physically is dead. Like, I thought he just turned red or something into, like, the crystal. Yeah, he, he crystallized. He was consumed by the 
the yeah that crystalline that must have been the shards overtaking him i just wish that there was like it would have been for one thing at a at a fullness meter at a fullness meter you can't eat all the food you want uh, the yeah, second right. thing is yeah. there needs to be a negative consequence for inhaling shards and becoming super overpowered because like a witcher toxicity or something or like yeah. a, you can only allocate so many points yeah because that's a thing they say through the whole game it's like something that i was actually as a player i was kind of conscious of in the beginning i was like oh shit should i be getting all these shards is this what i should be doing yeah and then it was not even an issue like it just didn't yeah if they had like some alternate ending spliced into the game where you could where you didn't rely on shards like maybe if you if you use too many shards or if you upgraded your shards too much and completed the game with all of those like shards on or maybe some specifically really powerful shards like that lightning one that mm-hmm. could be like a forbidden shard and you could f- be, feel free to use it but then by yeah. using it might give you like a less than desirable ending where you ultimately are consumed by your shards Mm-hmm. But instead, it just seemed that like be cool. they really, yeah, it seems like there was really, truly no bad thing to it. I guess maybe they mm-hmm. reveal some of that later when Alfred's talking to Miriam about, like, how she's the chosen yeah. one. She is the the one to wield she's the She's so powerful. Yeah, that's pretty dumb. I was kind of, like, skeptical. That was the thing, too, is that they, like, they totally... <laughs> they just justify it so easily and then i think even johannes at the end is like don't worry i can help you i figured out a way oh to help you. yeah and i was like i can this stop is... you from being corrupted yeah oh, and it's like gosh. how <laughs> why didn't you do that earlier or to jeeble or to jeeble or to my yeah, fucking friend jeeble yes he just didn't want to get cucked by jeeble so he waited until he died <laughs> yeah. to... and let's and let's <laughs> talk about like the alchemist in the first place like what a dumb move to to freaking like summon these demons. Yeah, like I don't you'd know expect why. more of an ancient and secret society. You'd expect more of the alchemists like John D, which they briefly mentioned, <laughs> who's <laughs> yeah, a like, real character. They made reference to a real life, real human being named John D, and then uh, because he was just a super famous alchemist, but then it, the the alchemists in in the game had really no reason to summon the demon portal that was totally out of line something about finances or something really really dumb like they were going to lose funding from the government or something to that effect so they're like all right we got to summon demons and then people will think they need us like the steam yeah that's right the industrial revolution was uh you know machines were becoming more powerful than man right so they need to stop they need to like stop society push press the brakes down on society and summon some demons for us to all contend with yeah (laughs) yeah i have to be totally honest i after watching the intro movie about that and then only a few boss fights in with some exposition i kind of tapped out of the whole story i just wasn't into it yeah it definitely not oh sorry go ahead jade Oh, I just, I, uh, Alfred is the biggest, uh, contender for me for believability. I just, like, couldn't understand what he was trying to do and why <laughs> he didn't, like, explain himself at first if he was a good guy. Like, 
it was just kind of weird. It seems really contrived that he fought you and then was like trying to help help you for some reason. Like if he knew you were the fucking chosen one, then why would he fight you over the uh, the book or whatever right. it was? Like it's just like yeah. <laughs> that's just Miriam such a JRPG trope. Oh, Miriam yeah. said. Oh, what? Yeah, she. Yeah, Miriam says at some point, like, why didn't he just tell me? And uh, I forget the reason because it was so stupid. <laughs> He didn't want. He to wanted worry to test you. you. He was yeah. testing you. Something, <laughs> something like that. Yeah, that's just like such a. Dumb Would you excuse. have believed him? I think was the, was the answer. <laughs> Would you have believed? Him? I, I would have honestly believed whatever they said, because I was just mashing a the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, let's be real. The the game like the gameplay is the draw here. Yeah. It's like obviously so fun to do everything else and the story is just yeah just visuals visuals so good gameplay so good actual story i don't know probably like lukewarm at best like yeah, it seems like game. i've i've seen this exact game happen so many times already mm-hmm. like especially with alfred like oh i am defeated i am I'm about to die. Uh, I'm about to die. I've got a, only a couple of sentences left here, so I'm going to say, Miriam, I'm sorry that I lied to you this whole time. And then you got to... You're the chosen one. You are the chosen one. Uh, and then he just lays there and no one picks him up or does anything. And then and then you go the, the, the room over and go back and his body's gone. <laughs> and you're like, yes. whoa, he's lying. He's alive. Maybe <laughs> hey, maybe he is. Speaking of, speaking of alive and dead, did Zangetsu die? No, no, I doubt it. It's yeah, implied that he's alive at the end. I think. Yeah, I bet if we if any of us completed the Zangetsu run, we would know, because <laughs> yeah. there's that point where he's about to do that mega attack, and then Gremory's just like, "You forgot something. You forgot about my ground floor attack." <laughs> and he says, "See you later, Miriam." And, like, and he just disappears. No, impossible, Miriam. This is what I've, <laughs> I've tested you so many times for. <laughs> he makes yeah, you fight him again too. Better. I love that. Like one test yeah, wasn't was... enough. He's he's a teacher, really. He's your elementary school teacher, making sure that you you yeah, pass the elementary school. <laughs> They they fight you when you're in elementary school. That's what <laughs> the, the physical aptitude test. Wherever Zangetsu is from, Nippon, I believe it was. Yeah, he's from the east, yes. man. He's from Japan. <laughs> I love. I got It's so. I loved David Hader, man. I was such a such a treat to just have him there. David Hader. He says the name of the. He says the name of the game at the start yeah, too, right? That's Bloodstained. what I. When it was the opening, and he said Bloodstained, and I was like, was that David Hader? Just like a cameo, real quick, saying the name of the game. <laughs> And then he then he came in later and he was all like, "Miriam, you piece of shit." And I was like, oh, "Yeah, what's going on?" It was David Hader. I like I freaked awesome. out when that happened because I didn't know who's David Hader is the voice of Solid Snake, the OG voice oh, of Solid Snake from Metal Gear Solid. So that's why you were calling Zangetsu's Snake. I thought because of his personality, <laughs> Snake, his uh, no, silent no. protagonist sort of style of cold no. hard delivery, cold hard justice. Instead, it's even more meta. It's in another video game. Yeah, I love I love Zangetsu though. Like I liked his what he added to the story. I think all in all, having Zangetsu there is like even another playing character just made things interesting. Like the mm-hmm. fact that 
you know, he's, he's just this random guy who's just so strong. He's equally as strong as the shard benders, the shard binders or whatever. <laughs> the shard breakers. Dude, he wrecks. The, shard. the shard busters. Even when you beat him the second time, it, it almost seems like he still wasn't trying very hard. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's, yeah, he was cool. I, Sangetsu was kind of kind of cool. Yeah, even though I'll, he was like campy and like that, that moment when he just lassoed you onto the train with him. <laughs> It was just so amazingly, like, campy. It looked like I'm watching, like, Batman, like the original series or something. And he's all, like, protecting you against the boss, and he's like, Miriam, get behind me. <laughs> yup. Like, get on my chain. Get on my chain. Yeah, that's right. He's like, that's so funny. <laughs> yeah, he's he's such a dork, dude. I love, I kind of do love Zangetsu because he's, he's... <laughs> It seems like he's trying so hard. Yeah. It seems like he's trying so hard to just fill this like cool character archetype, but he's just not. Even though they <laughs> yeah, say exactly. like, he's suffered and he has scars all over his body and his parents were killed when he was a little kid. I'm just like, dude, this guy is just a weeaboo. Like, yeah. He just wants to be so edgy and strong, but <laughs> he's, he's cool. Yeah. Yeah. And he's definitely, he's opinion. almost comic relief in the game honestly let's be real <laughs> yeah. like he just like that's true whenever things were getting a little too dark and too demented he would swing in on his chain and and shake things up for you a little bit <laughs> you never know if you're if you're gonna end up fighting the guy or if he's gonna end up saving your life from a bunch of bullets on a train yeah his yeah. entire death was it seemed weird too it was so fast where yeah. he, he's just like see you later and he goes into the ground and you're like what happened yeah, yeah, it was, that was so weird. I thought I was like, I was like, oh, is he? And, did she just teleport him somewhere? And those what, little what like happened? those little talismans that he shot out like stayed on every like rock and and everything in the background during that fight too. Yeah, it was cool. So I wonder like if that, I, I wonder what that was going to be, or if that it might that alone might be the only way that you were able to even defeat Gremory. Like if he put some seal in the room that stopped Gremory from escaping. I'm yeah. assuming that is the justification for it okay yeah i thought he was about to do some cool blast or something some naruto blast was on our side like did anyone buy into the fact that he was supposed to be an enemy or or like a rival at the start immediately i could well i mean just the fact that you know that you can play as the guy i think is enough of a cue that he's not an enemy right away so i think that's this that was a stretch goal as well to have him have his own little playable story in the uh with the Kickstarter, and I like that. I like that. Apparently, since like the other games, the eighteen-bit or sixteen-bit games or whatever, um, were like he was the character, he was the playable character mm-hmm. in the game, which yeah. is cool that he's got this little like backstory and everything too. It is cool. Yeah, I didn't expect. I thought that it, he would be just a rival that you fight sometimes, but I didn't think he'd be like a bad guy or anything. But Dominique, Dominique. Uh, did not i honestly thought that that was kind of uh kind of weak kind of weak from dominique yeah to be the to be the traitor and like it just seemed so shooed in and and kind of forced but it was pretty easy to tell like when she was talking to alfred that one time yep that one time when you she's got when you meet her in the monkey room in the Mm -hmm. with all the test tube monkeys yeah, she and it, yeah, Cole and I were <laughs> talking about this at some point where she's like, 
uh, that was all the ruse, and I got all the shards that you've been giving me throughout the game, and it's mm-hmm. all to make me power. And I was like, dude, I never sold shards to you. Yeah, I, I never sold shards. a single shard to her. So it was just mm-hmm. another thing where it was like, <laughs> she's trying, she's trying so hard to get. I shards got all from of you your money and... <laughs> in exchange for yeah. items and goods yeah. which you used and and had value. To to buy yeah, from me. supplying me on my run. Yeah, it's like it was you pretty easy to see my her treachery is what she's saying, <laughs> basically. Yeah, <laughs> but but then at the same time, she's like supplying you through the game to <laughs> to to win to beat everyone. Yeah, honestly, I would not have beat I would have not beat the game if she wouldn't have sold me that sixteen bitcoin. So it was really jokes <laughs> on her at the end of the day for for even helping me in the first place. <laughs> yeah. I was hoping I was kind of hoping she would be a playable character to be yeah, honest. I was, like I up. I thought that like uh, if she's so evil for one thing also, then why did she protect that little girl in the very beginning of the game? If oh, she, just if her, so she could replace her as the shopkeeper. <laughs> yep, yep, I guess so. It just doesn't you, I don't know. It was just funny when I looked back or, uh, at that first cutscene. Or even just to, she's just so steeped in treachery and deceit that <laughs> She saved that girl purely to convince you of her intention, perhaps. <laughs> yeah, she's five steps ahead, honestly. Yeah. Except yeah, for yeah. except for selling me all of that food that remained in my inventory for the whole game when I eventually would come back to kill her. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> a little Whoops. bit of a misstep and, on her part. I was really let down by the fight against her and also the final boss, for sure. Like, the final boss looked so cool. Yeah. It looked like, it looked like that's what I wanted, like, the last areas of the game to be, like, some weird, fucked up, twisted, like, fleshy. Yeah, some weird shit like that. And all these heads, it was, like, unsettling, these heads rolling around. Mm -hmm. But then they didn't hardly do anything, and I just sat there and attacked like 12 times and it was over and i was like uh yeah you steamrolled to the end pretty hard oh yeah, yeah the, was... the end took me a little the fight with dominique was fun and intense but then the the fight with like the the demons was just i switched to your spear and just like do this same rotation over and over and over and basically i just like didn't even have to dodge the little projectiles I would just yeah, sit that's there all the attack. and it just, just like, a projectile. Yeah. Um, Bale, all he did was those uh, projectile attacks, and you'd think that he would do some cool demonic shit, mm-hmm. but like it was it was pretty weak. Um, and you know what's kind of funny about these games in general too is that. You know, you get hurt if an enemy touches you. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. So yeah. why don't the bosses just don't even attack and run at you and just, you know, it just, it's funny, like, that that could be a way. Yeah, like. To, it just, like, frustrated me when, like, in Bloodless, when she would, like, just, ooh, like, uh, she would do this quick turn and bump into me and then run away. And I was like, what the fuck? She's getting free hits. And I just thought how ridiculous it would be if that is all she did through the fight, and it would be so fucking hard to win. <laughs> yeah, and it's touch like... damage is absurd. Like I always, I always joked about when I was playing through the game, like deaths by uh, choreographed enemy attacks, ten percent. 
deaths by enemy just running around and hitbox killing me. Uh, like 90% of my deaths probably were just to the enemy's hitbox yeah. touching me. I have a problem with that in a lot of games where the hitbox uh, or just them touching you, touch damage, uh, is so absurdly oh. high or it causes a lot of knockback. And yeah, it is more dangerous than actual attacks and that feels really, really lame. Yeah. It's cool. It's kind of cool that like you need to know your weapon and your abilities and mm-hmm. keep a distance like that's kind of a fun strategic f- part of a fight but when the boss can drop what they're doing and just walk towards you and fuck everything up and do like hundreds of damage it, it gets pretty uh ridiculous but it seems like it would have been much more entertaining to not have bosses at least bosses do that like yeah I, there is a point i think to maintaining distance with your weapon learning your weapon and whatnot and you know that gives more credence to guns for being at a range mm-hmm. to give it a, an advantage but then watching bloodless just tap kiowa and do so much damage <laughs> where while he was dodging all the attacks so well it's heartbreaking it shouldn't be like yeah, that like yeah. i liked how with the, the dominique fight she didn't have you know her hitbox didn't hurt you and that made the fight, yeah, the, oh, her really? hitbox didn't hurt you. Uh, and that made the fight seem, like, so good and so open. And, it, it you know, it, it was clean. It was a clean fight. But then, like, yeah, like, you, you're able to just do so much more when all you have to do is, like, focus on her, dodging her attacks. Like, I was getting it down to a science where I'm, like, dodging even her, like, elbow attacks or badass elbow attacks. Um yeah. Like, it just felt good to not have to contend with the hitbox. And it's like, if that's what every boss in the game was like, like, unless the boss has, like, outward-facing spikes, that, like, <laughs> but, I mean, yeah. maybe the Aegis armor should protect you from protect you from hitbox damage. Yeah, that would have been a nice addition to it. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. Or if, if there was a type of armor that did that, I would have preferred to play the game entirely like that. But... I guess it does add to, like, the intensity overall of the game. And it, it gives you more of a sense of accomplishment when you beat something super tough like that. Mm-hmm. You know, like, the same Very way with true. Dark Souls. Yeah, like exactly. Like, like with yeah, Dark yeah. Souls, it's just, like, such an intense, like, encounter that you just feel accomplishment when you beat it. And there's no hitbox damage. No hitbox damage in Dark Souls. No. Yeah, you know? Dark Souls can make fights that are good without touch damage. And, and what does Dark Souls do differently? I mean, a totally different game. Yeah. What I think they could do is just give your weapon a sweet spot so that you oh. still have to position properly yeah. in the fight but and, and give the bosses attacks that match the fact that touching you doesn't mm-hmm. hurt you. Yeah, like, because cause Bloodless, it would be, you know, she'd do that uh, tornado one, right? That tornado attack. Where yeah. she would squish, like go sweeping across the whole room. But if you were like crouching behind her, you could just stab her over and over and over and over again because it was mm-hmm. like that was the exploit, you know, exploitable moment to get a ton of damage. But then she would just turn around and run into you real fast. So then it's like it would be cool, yeah, if they just added a little bit more. Like maybe she could spin around and do something, or maybe have a higher chance to hit you, or they just added an extra attack or something to to punish you for punishing yeah. her like that. Rather than just walking into yeah, you I mean, and running into you later. Like, when she gets those tornadoes and you're stuck, like, either in the center or the outside of the ring, 
the two mm-hmm. big cyclones in the middle of oh, the room God. or whatever. And then she just walks over and occupies that space. Yep. And it's so dangerous because her just being there is like, oh, no. I guess that's uh, obviously they designed it to be like that. And it is definitely intense and scary. And it does take a lot of skill to navigate. But, geez, it's frustrating to just take 100 damage from bumping yeah, into like, her. Or any enemy or the final boss too, bail. Like, I had a huge problem with, mm. with Bale, like, just bumping into him all the time. That was, like, almost 100% of my damage from that boss fight was just getting tapped over and over by the heads that would, like, would just move around. Like, they were bobbing up and down and moving in weird directions, twisting mm-hmm. around the circle and stuff. And even, like, the whiskers of the cat damaged me, I think, at one point. Like, <laughs> yeah, those are, t- those are like the spikes you want to yeah. Those are like the spikes that you get impaled on. Yeah, like those hitboxes are like so unforgiving. Like if you even get like close mm-hmm. to them, you're just punished for it. But I guess, you know, they left the game like pretty, pretty like up to you. Like however you wanted to, to accomplish the game. Like I found my strategy, like my, my ultimate strategy for the game was like clear the rooms with dulla hammers and you know find a couple weapons that i was like proficient with and like had good damage like my highest possible weapons and then just fight the bosses however i can but always make sure to have enough food to kill whatever boss and i think i took like it must have been almost like 30 like uh 30 like pork rice into the into the (laughs) bale boss fight so I just had so yeah. much food. I could have accomplished anything by just eating endless food. So that's just kind of my way of breaking the game, getting even for those crazy, insane hitboxes. And I guess if they didn't want me to do that, then they could have uh, they could have limited or mitigated my ability to eat endlessly. They could have and should have. Yeah, definitely. That's such a that's a big thing. By the time I reached the end of just the original playthrough, because I was taking so much time just having fun exploring literally everything and collecting shards yep. just to play with them, I had Tisro Zion, this laser, this light laser. I would walk into a room and it was a directional. I would just spray it across the room and everything wow. would insta die. So I, I don't even <laughs> know what the mechanics of Dominique or Bale were because they wow. just melted. <laughs> I, I think I killed Dominique pretty fast too, which is why I didn't yeah, know that about sounds, the hitbox. It thing. sounds like you guys yeah. just had a totally different experience with it. Like you grinded, like you ground, I should say. Yeah, you ground your we way ground. up. I to ground the, up to the surround. Yeah, down to like the fundamentals of the game were just nothing to you because you were so strong. When I realized that food buffs were like permanent that there's so many things in the game that just make you so fucking strong there's so many different ways to get so strong yeah it feels worthwhile to take advantage of them in in the first half of the game yeah because i think you you guys were on something there with bloodless is a Mm -hmm. turning point and then beyond that it starts to compound a lot if you've been taking advantage of it and it's like it's a thing, so why why wouldn't you do this? I could understand not grinding shards to rank nine, grade nine. You know, I yeah, could get yeah. that, but you know, that's like five hundred extra HP. You get like ten mana regen or ten MP regen per second. Like if you eat all this max food, you get strength, you get defense, you get all kinds of stuff. 
and then that yeah. compounded on your shards and the stuff that you gain from permanent increases if you like it doesn't even take long to to grind out i didn't shards. see you grind much at all yeah and you still made quick work because you just took advantage really slight advantage of the mechanics that they were spelling out and wanting you to utilize yeah and it feels like if you're supposed to not become strong to make the game like not uh one shot kill bosses uh there's obviously some balance issues if that's you know this is the normal mode you know and it's it seems like it's uh I don't know. It's too hard to since there's so mechanics and and so so many mechanics and ways to get strong. It seems like uh, kind of hard to account for every play style, like mm-hmm. Kiowa, you know, where it's mm-hmm. a challenge for challenge, you know, for you, but you still just eat and like get through things with your uh, ingenuity and your uh, doula hans, yep. doula hammers, <laughs> and like. But then there's like players like me and Cole who spend like maybe an hour or something getting shards to to max which is like what the point of the shards is it, they shouldn't there shouldn't be that it's that's the shitty thing though because that's what the that's where the fun in the game is is building yep, a character like totally. that yeah but it just it it there there almost shouldn't be that many ways to get so overpowered so fast yeah they could have tuned the game differently for sure yeah mm-hmm. i guess there's just you know so many different ways that you can go about tackling the exact same objectives i guess that's probably one of the things that i think was coolest about the game is that you know you just have so much you know diversity and choice of what you could do so many paths that you could go but you know they all lead you to the same destination very true um another thing i this is just a really quick thing unless you know you guys have any more com, com, uh, points you no know, that's probably like my biggest set of talking points i think i already just kind of squeezed them into the conversation so yeah i'm running low but i definitely wanted to bring up the map yeah what about the map the map makes me really what really the fuck mad. about the map fuck the dumbass map they really fucked it up they really wanged it they really they really flubbed what? the map because there's no indication for what separate areas. There's no visual representation of anything. So when you're looking at the map, it's just a big collection of, of yeah. blue squares. And there's no, there's like, it's kind of hard to tell. Like, what, where's the, uh, where's the, the garden of uh, garden sorrow or whatever, or whatever yeah, it's called? Like the, where's the, the forbidden desert. secret garden? Where's the forbidden forest? Where's the secret slippery desert? The sandy where's slopes? Where's the salubrious you know? laboratory? Maybe I'm maybe I'm a casual or maybe I holy shit celebrities. Maybe I'm a casual or maybe I'm a once again pampered and loved, held sweetly by Hollow Knight because the map is you know you can tell what areas are what just by the uh, the design of the drawings on the map and stuff. But I was really hoping like why couldn't the garden just have green rooms? Why couldn't the cat the the golden uh, luxurious castle palace part right. have like gold rooms and why couldn't they just put the names of the fucking places on them i know it's really it's really minor it's it's super minor but it, it just sometimes confused me like oh where was the one place and i had to look at the collection of maps and like i realized that the uh the three lateral rectangles all in a stack was like that's the loading room and then that's the first room into the thing i had to start like going by that to to figure out where the separation of areas were 
Yeah. Uh, I mean, this is if you're checking your map. If you're in the teleporter thing, then it tells you, you know, what, what areas. It tells you the which. name of the teleporter you're going to. Yeah. yeah. But just checking your map and stuff for reference and, and for points of interest, there's no, I didn't like that there was no way to tell where anything was. I'd blame that on the reverence that this game seems to hold to the older Castlevania Mm. because that's kind of just how the, at least for sure, Symphony of the Night is the exact same. It's just a bunch of blue tiles as you uncover rooms. And, you know, if you look at older Metroid games, it's not a sign of the times. Older Metroid games would segment areas by color and and have a name attached to them. So it's really just this game not wanting to evolve or or be kind to the player or just so stuck up the original Castlevania series ass that it's just got a bit of unreadability in there other issues in the game that we've already addressed it doesn't want to shed the legacy of the <laughs> castlevania series and if it has, you don't like it then go play hollow knight or whatever you keep or talking metroid about. fusion <laughs> that's that's like you know like if ega vania fans were like dark souls fans you know oh yeah shitting on us but i mean honestly though i had a lot of fucking fun playing this game like regardless through everything it was it was a really good yeah, time yeah sure. there were certain points but. in the game like i think yeah like the certain moments like the bloodless fight or when i figured out exactly how powerful like the dola hammers were like i i was just like really really enthralled in the game and certain things that would happen later in the game would kind of break the illusion for me when i saw how truly easy things could have been for me the whole time if I just wanted to spend money on mm-hmm. food and steamroll whatever fight. But yeah, like I, I totally like had a good time playing the game. And yeah, there were just certain moments of the game when I was totally enamored, like when I, with the familiars and how they can level up to 99 and just collecting certain shards that I really was fond of and trying to level those up and gathering the materials to craft really good weapons too. I thought it all played really yeah. well together. The alchemy system was great. And then visually, too, the game was just top-notch. Like, just looked so cool. cool. Like, the background, like, especially when you're going up to uh, Giebel's, like, boss fight. Like, that royal room was so nice. I I remember thinking just that 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 area looked so cool. Definitely. I had a lot of fun with the game, too, especially earlier on. And even late into the game, when everything didn't really pose a challenge it was i was a little let down by the lack of challenge but i was still having fun just playing with the alchemy system and yeah the shards customizing just trying to figure out different weird wacky things and filling out the compendium for that completionist the the collector in me it satisfied that urge too as well and like the alchemy system is actually it was really really fun like usually in games with the crafting and stuff like that i'm not into it but I like, and they made it somewhat easy to get all the achievements, and you can kind of tell from the achievement completion rate, you know, compared to a lot of other games that are like, here's your achievement for getting 100% of the achievements, and it's like, oh, 2% of players have this. But this game was like 13 or 20% or something like that. But like, it just felt, it was so much more fun. It didn't feel like a slog to try and craft all the weapons. I had a lot of fun, like, crafting it was kind of post-game stuff for me but i kind of wish i would have done a lot more of it throughout my playthrough for sure other than maxing shards but 
was cool. It was a bit of a dilemma because if you did that, then yeah, the game becomes even more easy than <laughs> it already was. Yeah, big. There, time. there are almost two sides of it where it, there, there seems like an entertaining action game there that holds its roots in the original Castlevania stuff that isn't nearly as solid as Hollow Knight. Um, but then you have this completionist collection like Metroid would have uh, the heart tanks and the missile tanks mm-hmm. and stuff and uh, of course the Castlevania games that this draws from y- if you like that stuff that's there too and that continues on past the game yeah I I don't know it was just like altogether a pretty good package I just wish it was like balanced better to offer just even a little more challenge I guess maybe if I could go back and do it again with like being clean no knowledge of the game I would have no knowledge other than that I could kill the final boss in like 20 seconds <laughs> if I'd play on normal then I would play on hard you know I would choose that instead to have a yeah, little more of I, a, a time with the game I wish I would have played on hard as well that's one of my bigger takeaways in this experience yeah, mm-hmm. the hard probably would have been a better difficulty for me as well just because uh, it was so easy I mean I, th- I still feel like the way that I chose to beat the game would still let me easily beat it on hard but then nightmare mode sounds just like insane where you're just like level one the whole game. That seems pretty evil. <laughs> I tried nightmare and it instantly just was a frustrating touch damage from the very first enemies was oh over gosh. half of my health and I just immediately yeah. wasn't having fun. That sucks that there's no, I guess hard from from a fresh, fresh playthrough it must have to just be on hard mode otherwise there's no, uh, there's no um, reason to fill stuff out in the end game to bring over to new game plus because i you know cole you said new game plus on hard mode was so easy still right yeah nothing really changed there were more enemies but i didn't notice mm-hmm. a difference in the difficulty of anything because i was already so strong so it originally sucks that you can't like build out your character and have a, a fun challenging time with your rewards that you did you just have yeah. to suffer in nightmare mode yeah, there's, there's, that's the only thing that's going to challenge you, and all it is is a. Uh, it's maybe a later into it, there when you start getting more options, it would become more entertaining. But immediately, right at the start, it was so oppressive that I didn't want to bother with it. And you know, a lot of the extra modes in that game didn't feel like they were worth bothering. So the takeaway is, don't level up your shards. Don't play the game how you want to. Don't eat food, and you'll have a much <laughs> yep. better time. <laughs> don't play with the mechanics of the game just impose some restrictions on yourself i suppose is how you're going to make your own fun with the game i mean it's still yeah. fun let's be honest it, but the challenge i mean the way i made my fun was the collecting yep. you know mm-hmm. you, that's how you have to approach these sorts of games i think because it i don't think it was designed to be challenging yeah probably like the funnest thing for me was like the rpg aspect of it like i really liked the fact that it was you know, a Metroidvania, which, you know, even in a game like Hollow Knight, where it's, you know, it's not so much of an RPG as it is a straight-up Metroidvania. There's no level system. There's no, like, you know, followers and, like, leveling stuff, you know, leveling schemes for everything. Mm -hmm. So that's probably, like, one of my favorite aspects of Bloodstained. It's, like, a full Metroidvania where there's levels and progression and even just grinding like through enemies will level you up and make you stronger 
which I think is like just a fun addition to like the Metroidvania formula. Yeah, I like the marriage. I always the the experience and the uh, endorphin release that you get yes. when you level up. Like when you see you that just level hit up the thing. enemy, you just yeah. slash the enemy so and immediately. You level up. You get that when you master a technique too, but un- unfortunately, you know the shards were so strong in the game that honestly, <laughs> using technique seemed like a waste of time. And the one technique that I <laughs> yeah. did fully master just was so arbitrary. Like, yeah, not 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 needed at all. Like just a, a backstep attack ability that's slightly stronger. Yeah, so not not too mm-hmm. necessary. Yeah, techniques, the whole entire process of, of earning them, they're locked to a specific weapon. I don't I don't know why. Can do you, either of you know why it's like that? I know Um, I imagine just the animations, right? You couldn't have a whip technique that could work on a No, 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 no. I mean how you have to use a specific whip oh, to yeah. unlock that move on all the other whips. I do know that Certain weapons have actual techniques because, like, the one technique that I did master was like that cut power cut back step with the sword. And technically, Bloodstain yeah. or Bloodless's umbrella is a sword. And that one did have her, you know, what did she say? Like, she had a name for one of her big attacks. She would always shout it Blood, Blood sh- Bloodshot. Blood something. She would say, I think she'd say, uh, it'd be like, uh, I think she said, like, I love Jade. I love Jade, she'd say. I'm pretty <laughs> yeah. sure. I'm no, pretty sure I don't think she like said that. She loves nice Jade or like her husband Jade or something like that, I think. Hmm. <laughs> she would scream, like, this is for you, Jade. So the sword. <laughs> yeah. That was it. <laughs> yes, there, exactly. The, it, it depended on the element of your sword, what it would shoot at. But so, but that was just a special one. Yeah, so, but then some of them that were elementless, like when you when you had the technique mastered for another sword, like it, it kind of made sense for this one because it was like th- there was always some sort of elemental effect that would shoot out of the sword. Or something specific to those weapons that would allow you to use that ability in the first place. Um, like Bloodless's Umbrella, she shot out that blood spray attack. Um, and then the Encrypted Orchid, which was the sword that I used for the entire game. Uh, it was like, yeah, it was like uh, some lightning ability would strike that zone and just keep doing like continuous damage in that area for just a little bit. Not a whole lot of damage, though. Nothing to write home about. But, uh, yeah, there was just like little elemental attacks. So I feel like it had it maybe had something to do with like invoking the element of that weapon. But then once you mastered the, te- the technique, you can use it for anything. And then when I used it on a weapon that didn't have an element type, it was just like the most boring and basic attack ever. And there's like even less reason to use it. It was just <laughs> mm-hmm. a slightly stronger hit. No cool elemental effects, no range, just a lukewarm thing. So yeah. that's the only insight I have as to why other elements don't have, or other weapons don't have the technique usability. I mean, every weapon could eventually use it, though, is the weird thing. So locking it 
to specific weapons to learn it and master it to use it on other weapons, again, seemed like an arbitrary step in doing what you wanted. And it didn't even matter anyway because of how weak. Like, using a technique, it cost you MP just like shards. It required an input like a like a, a fighting game, like a motion on your controller, so it took time. You could get hit stun while you were trying, like while you were starting it up after you had consumed the MP. You could get hit, knocked out of it, waste all of that. And all of that time, you could just stand at a distance and just shoot a shard move and yeah. be fine. Magic is OP. Shards, shards OP. are OP. I, shards are OP. Techniques are underpowered, maybe except Katana, because they gave Katana... So many. Techniques are up. <laughs> Techniques are up. And shards are yeah. up. Food it's, is... It's a, just a shame, food honestly. Food is game-breaking. Food just breaks the game. <laughs> yeah, yeah, especially if you were eating for the bonuses. Yeah. It really needs... I don't know. That's a shame. It's. I hope, you know, I am really excited for more games in this series. Like, it was a, it was a really, really good time. I hope they're making more. I just hope that they get that. I know next time with uh, Bloodstained 2, uh, Bloody, no, uh, what would this, <laughs> Curse? No, they used Curse. Overdue. Ritual, Bloodstained uh, Overdue. <laughs> for Bloodstained <laughs> Overdue, I'm going to pick hard mode right away for sure. Like, I know yeah, that. Yeah, that's probably and the I'd, number one way we could all improve our experience is just make it a little bit harder on ourselves. Yeah. Such seasoned veteran gamers as us. Oh, and you know what? Actually, before you continue your point, did you know that you could beat the bosses without even getting hit and you would get a special item for it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there was there was incentive to try and master these fights, but it was just kind of made bullshit by the wow. touch damage thing. So yeah, dang, I did not know about those items because I never got a single boss without it, except for maybe Jeeble, because he was so weak. Yeah, Jeeble, fucking dweeb ass, dweeble Jeeble, dweeble um. Jeeble. <laughs> But yeah, uh, I just hope that things are finer tuned and like ironed out now that they have the foundation basically for you know me- mechanics and and gameplay and. Uh, well, I mean, all things said and, and done, I, I'm still looking forward to Bloodstained Two. I'll say that, Bloodstained and I almost actually overdue. even want to play <laughs> Bloodstained Two Overdue. I'm actually kind of curious to play the other games in the series now even though i'm not a fan of that type of gameplay mm-hmm. yeah it would be interesting because i bet it does have some pertinence to the story so but i mean it's possible let's be real we're not playing for the story at this point it's kind of drop drop the ball yeah i'm not i'm completely I, uninterested you know zangetsu zang zang yeah, good old zang true. story would be cool i mean it, it seems mm-hmm. like a kind of a good starting point like this j- weird generic like ethereal sort of story where it's like nothing is very yeah. important, nothing is very... Well, I guess it's all kind of important in the context of this game, but it's like nothing groundbreaking, nothing that hasn't been done before in a game, that's for sure. But uh, it's still yeah, so, like just a kind of a good spot oh. to start. You know, you've got this generic like conflict that happened in like episode one of the game series... You know, and that kind of maybe sets the stage for something in the future. Because I'm, I'm almost certain that they're going to make more games in the series with how acclaimed and popular Bloodstained has already become. And with the success of their Kickstarter, too. 
Yeah. And as, yeah, that, that is very true. Like they did just kind of lay the foundations of how the world worked and it was a, a pretty, pretty generic story. So hopefully for the next time, it'll be a little more, uh, it'll explore the facets of this, the, the demons in hell mm-hmm. more for sure. I want to know more about hell and the connection. Yeah. I'll, I'm excited yeah, for like that. There could be, there could be seriously cool things that happen you know, to the, to the world of bloodstained after the closure of like the demon gate, because like now you're almost Mm -hmm. at like a blank canvas. They could do whatever they wanted with it. You know, that castle, like at the end when that castle disappears and you're just standing in this like shitty abandoned village, you're, you almost think like, wow, this place looked a lot cooler with that castle here. I kind of miss it, (laughs) but now it's just a bunch of impoverished. And Zangetsu's alive. Yeah, and Zangetsu gets his sword. He's alive. Uh, anybody? We're gonna wrap. We're gonna wrap this up. Anybody else have any big? Yeah, uh, I mean, I think I pretty much said everything you know points. that I had to say about it. Like I, yeah, I, I kind of exploited the game in my <laughs> own in my own weird way. I had an AFK hunger build, but. <laughs> Oh my god. You know, it, it was it was still even fun to just like uh you know see what kind of weird strategies could work. You know, there's more than one way to skin a cat. Like I remember we were talking to our friend Brandon. Yeah. And he was talking up that uh welcome party Portrait or something. Frame. Welcome party welcome ability. Party. And I, I never really used that ability much at all in the game, but he's he just swore by it so hard. So it's just cool how almost everyone I know mm-hmm. just has a totally different way that they came about beating the game, which is, you know, props to props to Bloodstain for coming up with, you know, a system that encourages diversity in tackling the game itself. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, it's one of the greatest strengths of the game, I would say, is just despite the the shortcomings of being limited in some some uh, areas of of spell choice you can really diversify the rest of your kit as much as you want it's very cool grind as much as you want yeah become as overpowered as as you want extremely overpowered (laughs) but yeah i don't have much else to say either well cool well uh i guess we'll 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 slowly bring this episode this blood-stained episode to a close so shall we um, reveal what the next episode will entail, or should it be a secret? What is the next episode? No one's told me. You don't know. Yeah, what no the one's next... told me. Uh, no one's told me. Well, I guess it'll be a, a news news to both of you and to all of our uh, two three listeners. Next um, episode reveal. The next episode is going to be covering in great detail, I imagine, just like this episode and the episode prior, the video game CrossCode. We're going to be talking about CrossCode, mm-hmm. and I, I have very, very, very high hopes for that. Probably not as much diversity in, in building a character, but I think there's a lot of stuff to discuss for sure in that game. Yeah, as of yes. now, I know next to nothing, so it'll be pretty interesting to dive into that yeah yep. crosscode is a game that jade and i we already played a good deal of crosscode but never came even close to beating it so yep we'll be revisiting and completing the game yes at long last so that will be the next uh episode so look forward to that and uh 
I suppose with that, we will bid everyone adieu. And thank you very much for listening, and have a happy midnight. Happy midnight, guys. Happy midnight.